Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your girl, Ida Rodriguez, and it is election day. Uh, welcome to the show. Those of you who are here, thank you for being here. I want to say thank you to all of you who've been supporting uh, the Truth Serum. You've been sharing it. You've been participating, and we couldn't be who we are at Truth Serum without you. So I just want to say thank you. It is election day, hopefully ejection day. And uh, for those of you who want to come back and tell us about how you feel that Biden is no better, do you take a look out of your window. You take a look on your Twitter feed. You look at your local gas station. Look at Beverly Hills. And you tell me um, if there is a difference not saying that uh, Joe Biden is a saint and the savior, but Donald Trump has got to go. And so uh, those are the people that you see who keep celebrating him and cheering for him, specifically these celebrities, they're not thinking about you. They're thinking about their own pockets and there you have it. Um, today I am um, repping my Puerto Rico uh, Puerto Rico today is going to be uh, voting to decide whether they want to go forward and seek statehood. And those of us who are here um, in America and are not there on the island, on the mainland, first and foremost, those of you who don't know, because obviously after the hurricane, many of you didn't know, Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. The people who are the citizens of Puerto Rico are citizens of the United States, therefore American. Um, so if you are unclear, they are not illegal immigrants. They are not um, undocumented people as you, you know, I don't know what the terms are. We don't call people illegal, um, and, but they are American and they have to decide on the island whether they want to seek statehood. Like we are here on the mainland uh, deciding if D.C. is going to become a state. What happens with places uh, like Puerto Rico and D.C. alike, they are populated with people of color, um, a lot of people who are working class citizens and they don't have a vote. And so people are afraid, people that are on the opposing side of democracy are afraid that if places like DC and Puerto Rico become states, then we will have more democratic senators. And, um, and then that is a problem because, you know, everyone thinks that there's this agenda um, for the Democratic Party to make everybody gay and everybody poor and dependent on those people who work as if uh, the millions of Americans who are Democrats and registered to the Democratic Party don't show up for work every day. Um, anyway, I wanted to say um, hello to you all. We want to have a conversation. I have a bunch of guests coming through today. We're going to be talking about... Um, the uh, the agenda uh, today um, and voting. Um, I, I like to respect other people's opinions and if they are not ridiculous and foolish and not rooted in hate and in, um, you know, not truths, there uh, is where you lose me. But if you wanna have a conversation, this is an interactive show. I have become more um, open to reading some of your, of your comments and the things that uh, you think and that you have to say. And I think it is important for all of us to have a voice. Um, unfortunately, uh, a lot of the wrong people uh, have the bullhorns. Um, you all will regret putting Biden in office. I wish I didn't have this regret feelings, but I know God will still those 
hold accountable for this election. Wow. Um, you are uh, speaking for God. Um, Bernardino Garza, speaking to someone who grew up in the church and has read the Bible, you are committing a sin by judging other people. You're not supposed to be judging others. That's God's job, remember? So what happens is, according to the Bible, God created man in his image, but what has happened now is that man is now trying to create God in his image. The hateful feelings that you have for other people based on their beliefs um, have nothing to do with God and everything to do with your own hate. So if you think that God will punish people for their their right to vote or whatever, um, I don't know what to tell you. What we're having here are conversations be, uh, based on... Um, the facts of what are happening in this country. And as some people will say, stop bringing God into this because um, your God and other people's gods are different and you have no right to impose your God on others. Done. All right. Have a great day, Bernardino Garza. Um, I hope you voted and um, not on, not here uh, commenting in the section and um, criticizing other people for, um, yeah, God is a jealous God and does not tolerate those speaking for him. I feel like neither of them are, are the best choice, but but 45 has got to go. I, I listen, I, I am not a Joe Biden fanatic. And I, that, I think that is one of the problems that we're having in this country is that people have become fans of politicians. I am not a Joe Biden fanatic. You know, I'm a people fanatic. When I think about voting and I show up and I think about taxes and I think about money, I think about my community. I think about all of the people in my neighborhood and in my family who are not in the top 1%. I'm not in the top 1%, but I think about us as a collective, right? I, it's easy for me to say, I got out. Why you didn't? Well, did I really get out? Because I didn't get out if so many of my people are still there, right? So I think about the teachers and I think about the doctors and I think about the police officers and the firefighters, but I also think about the janitors and the maids. But And so th that is why I show up to vote. Like people were saying, well, black people and brown people didn't die for the right to vote, that that is a fallacy. Well, talking to my grandmother, who was actually around during the time, a lot of people did die trying to vote. A lot of people did get murdered. A lot of people did people did get intimidated and beaten up. And guess what? Newsflash, it's happening right now as well. So I, I'm not going to sit here and argue with you about uh, the, the, the semantics of what happened during a time when I wasn't here. I'm not going to call the ancestors punks. They, I'm not my grandmother. I'm not engaging in any of that talk. What I will do is say, I am here to bow down to the ancestors that went through all of the things that they went through so that we could have an opportunity to still be here. And that for me is worth far more than any conversation about me having speculation about what was going on in the minds of people who were here trying to survive. Um, so moving onward and forward. Anyway, we're going to have um, conversations with people today from all across the spectrum of the people who've been on the show. You'll see some new faces to people that you haven't seen. And we're going to be talking about um, voting, what it means. Some people vote for different reasons. I feel like uh, white supremacists, racist people, these bigots are always telling us that we have, um, we don't have rights to certain things in this country. So 
I'm a vote. You know what? I'm a vote. I pay taxes. I work. I, I'm a good citizen. I do everything I'm supposed to do in this country. And I have a right to say who should be in office. They work for me too. And I'm not going to let somebody tell me that voting is whatever. Even if they take my vote and throw that John in the trash, I'm going to show up and vote. You know why? Because my grandmother couldn't. And so I show up for her. I show up for my great grandfather who was not allowed to vote. I show up for uh, in Puerto Rico. They can't even vote. The, Donald Trump is the president of the United States, which includes Puerto Rico, and they can't vote for the president. So I'm going to use my vote. And if you think I'm corny for that, then be it's OK. Why is everybody always trying to tell everybody else what to do? And it's usually shiftless people who that sit at home and have all of the theories and all of the stuff to say, but they are actually not doing anything. I feel like some people are so consumed with getting 45 out, they'll settle for any change, even if this new change isn't truly for us. I voted though. I agree with you, Lamonte. I think that this is probably one of the most difficult situations to be in because people have access to so much more information than they had before. And now we are aware of all of the shady things that all of these politicians have done. And you know, we were voting for Democrats and putting electing people and putting them on the ballot back in the day. And my parents and my parents' parents didn't have the access to the information that we have now. So I agree with you, Yvonne, um, Ivan, right? Stop falling in love with political figures and educate yourself in policy. And then the other thing that I wanna say with all of the civil unrest that is happening in this country and all of the, the, the we are having the conversations about what has been happening. I mean, Ahmaud Aubrey, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor are not uh, the beginning of what has, of this stuff happening. They are actually just a reflection of something that's been happening for a long time. And now that we're having these conversations and educating ourselves on how harmful local entities are in up keeping these systems going that continue to enable the situations that have ex extinguished the lives of Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Aubrey, George Floyd, all the way back to McDuffie, you go back to Emmett Till, I think it's important for us to know the, who are we voting for? The local judges, the superintendents at the schools where our children go to. Voter suppression is going, still going strong. Be aware. Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to uh, I'm going to share the phone number where you can call if you're experiencing it, if you are witnessing it, um, and let's see what happens. I just wanted to quickly also just talk about one thing briefly, because I see the internet is a machine. The internet is a machine that has taken on a life of its own. There are algorithms based on the things that you watch, the things that you click on, you continue to generate certain things and ideals that keep getting put in your face. They are trying to scare us. They want us to, they are boarding up stores because that they they think that there is going to be uprising. When have you ever saw seen this during an election? So I'm just going to say this. First and foremost, usually when these up uh, uprisings take place, they are not planned. People plan them and plan them and fall short. Then something happens out of nowhere, and then you see these uprisings happen. I'm sure that we nope. there was not a consensus. Nobody sat down and said, the next person that gets killed, we're going to turn America out. 
George Floyd happened and it happened organically. Please don't let these people fill you with fear. Listen, don't let them fill you with fear about some alleged revolution. So many people bought so much water on December 31st, prior to December 31st, 1999, because they thought 2000 was going to be the year it was going to shut down. We continue to get driven by fear. And it is it just keeps the wackos alive and going. If we, if every time we saw a video, we didn't share it, we didn't click on it with crazy Trump lady talking about pedophilia and aliens, we would be in such a better place because we would not have all of this stuff being implanted in our psyche. The truth of the matter is, is that most Americans, because that is what we are, most Americans, most of the people here in America want to see a better world for all of us. And they don't have the bullhorns because they don't have time to be on the internet all day long, perpetuating and sharing conspiracy theories that are unfounded and based on myth and old wives' tale. That being said, let the party begin. We are going to get started. I'm going to get it, I'm going to kick it off here with uh two friends of mine. First of all, the the woman, I was going to say the young lady, the young lady coming to the stage cuz I'm so used to being a, a comedian will gather you not just with words but with statistics and data and information all wrapped up in poetry. You hear me? Ashley Marie Preston is in the house. Hi, Ashley. Hey, how are you? I am doing well, Queen. How are you? Um, I'm managing today. Like, I don't know that I've been this scattered brain in quite some time. Um, there's a lot of energy happening, but I think what it is is that I'm prepared for this moment. I voted early, but the reality is that I've reminded myself that no matter what the outcome is today, we fighting no matter what. Because right. either we're fighting over the fact that Biden won, and we know from history that white supremacy doesn't like to lose, and it will pull some of the most egregious, darkest stunts that our minds could even fathom, simply to grasp onto power and ultimate dominance. Um, and, or, again, and then we end up, you know, turning things upside down. And, and so I'm of the mindset that top-down government solutions aren't the answer to all of our problems. Um, although it's important to vote because it helps us prevent the GOP from consolidating power. Um, we also know that it's an opportunity for us to pivot away from the political moment and into the movement. Um, because really we know throughout history, this has always been the case. We have always saw the abuse of power um, take place in a way that further marginalizes us, right? And so I think that it's important to remind people that even though they show up to vote, their job isn't done once you cast that vote at the polls. We still have a responsibility to ourselves and to our loved ones to keep these elected officials accountable. That's right. I appreciate you saying that. And I think it's very important for us to have these conversations because I think that voting is just one, it is just a part of the journey. Like I grew up in church and in mm -hmm. church, people would talk about tithing. And I was like tithing. Uh, people would say, I don't, I don't tithe because I'm not, I'm not buying a pastor's new car. And I was like, <laughs> well, 
if you're a Christian, tithing isn't about that. Tithing is praise and worship, right? And if you tithe, that is just you doing your, your due diligence as a good Christian, which so many mm-hmm. of these people claim to be. Voting is part of being a citizen. It is a right that you have. You pay the taxes. So you have a right to choose who is employed to manage funds in your community, your that that make decisions about your schools, your mm-hmm. your law enforcement and your habitat. And I don't think people realize uh, there are a lot of things on the ballot other than the president of the United States, but it is just the beginning. Um, I wanted to speak about this because I, I see a lot of people talking about voting and I do wanna talk about how uh, these elections affect uh, marginalized communities. And I wanted to make sure that we talked about our transgender brothers and sisters and how they have been affected by who's in office and why it is important for us to show up in, at, and vote for each other when we are in different marginalized, marginalized groups. And, and there's intersectionality that we don't honor. But the reason why it is important for us to have a collective voice um, being on the other side of everything that the GOP is trying to take down. Well, I think this uh, voting election is more personal for the trans community because this administration from day one has came out for us. I'm talking like uh, going after our children um, in schools, telling, you know, shelters and homeless programs that they can discriminate against us based on our gender identity, which is personal for me because as someone who was formerly homeless, that was how my entire journey kicked off. I was discriminated against on the job and was fired. Um, I ended up losing my apartment. I became homeless. I got turned away from shelters, men's shelters and women's shelters. And so I had no choice but to engage in survival sex work, which then led to drug addiction because I had to numb myself to all of the heartbreaking things that I had to do in the name of survival. So this administration has made it very clear that, um, you know, that we all don't have equal rights and that we all don't deserve the same dignity and respect. Um, And so one of the things that I'm talking to the community about is being able to exercise your voice no matter what. We know that there were 1.3 million uh, trans Americans who are eligible to vote. We also know that I believe it was 33% of those um, were non-binary or people who were afraid to go to the polls because they didn't whether their name uh, matched their ID or uh, the sex on their ID, just all of those different things are um, factors that may deter them from voting. So I just want for those individuals who are trans or non-binary to know that you still have a right to cast your vote. It is not the job of a poll worker to determine what your gender is or to even, um, you know, tell you what your name should or shouldn't be you still have a right to cast your vote. And if you have a problem with casting your vote, there are uh, resources. You can actually speak to the person on site who is in charge. And if they don't get you anywhere, um, you can call the uh, registrar, which is um, typically up in your state's capital. And then they can call whoever they need to call to make sure that you get the vote. I think the message that we want to drive home today is that you should not leave without casting your vote. There is not going to be a circumstance or situation where they tell you that you have to go, come back later, do something different. You have a right to cast your vote. And that is the message that I'm giving to everybody, whether you're trans, LGBTQ, whomever, you have a right to cast your vote if you are eligible. I do know that in certain states, 
they have found ways to discriminate against people who've, um, you know, been convicted of a crime, but we're also voting for those people in solidarity. I really appreciate you saying that, and I appreciate you being here because I know today you're probably going to be super busy. When we talk about this progressive agenda um, and we talk about what what is going on right now in America, I, aside from the transgender um, you know, reality and what we're fighting for, what are some of the most important things we should be thinking about with regards to why we should be voting in this election? Um, I think another piece is that we have to recognize that voting is an opportunity to exercise solidarity. So even if you are someone who doesn't feel that your um, that your livelihood is being threatened, and you are someone that may have privilege above others, it's important to use your vote as a show of solidarity. Um, I think that it was a conversation I had with Angelica Ross on her show last night when we were talking about why our liberation is linked. And so we know that historically white supremacy has only been able to thrive when it implements a strategic plan of divide and conquer. So to convince some of us that because we got what we needed, I got my rights, I'm not illegal, I'm not, you know, fill in the blank, we forget that, um, it's all of us or none of us. And so the only way that we're ever going to see the policies and legislations that improve our lives um, pass into law is when we build cross-cultural collaborations that yield tangible outcomes that help us thrive. And so it has to be no person left behind. So even as someone who's never been incarcerated, it's still my responsibility to show up for my incarcerated brothers, sisters, and others. As someone who was born in the U.S., it's still my responsibility to speak up for undocumented people and immigrants. As someone who can't have children, I still need to be making sure that I think about reproductive rights because the minute I let them dictate what somebody does or can't do with their body, they can come to me as a trans person and tell me what I can and can't do with my body. And we've seen them make that attempt by them telling doctors and, um, and, and, and medical providers that they don't have to see trans people or treat us because of their own personal spiritual beliefs and things like that. So it's important to understand that for those of us who are going to the polls and those of us who have cast our votes early, that we're not just voting for ourselves, but we're voting in solidarity for those who have the capacity to show up and fight with us on the front lines. This is an excellent opportunity to show your solidarity through your vote. The last thing I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to let you go because I know you got a lot of stuff going on. What do you say to those people who keep bringing up the crime bill or Kamala's prosecutorial uh, history? Why, what do you say to those people who say, why are we voting for them? They are the enemy to us as people of color, Black people in this country. Because there is a way to hold people accountable and hold them at the same time. I am one of the people who, when I saw that Kamala was in the conversation, I was like, sis, <laughs> there are some things here that we have to heal. And the thing is that we can't heal what we don't reveal. And I was one of those people that was like, I need you not to be dodging every single question that we ask you. But I also know that as a black woman, as someone who has had to overcome insurmountable odds, to be in the position that she's in, there is an opportunity to um, support that historical moment in a way that leaves the door open 
for Black leadership that's coming behind her. So I think that this is a conversation around nuance that we really haven't had the opportunity to think about because even at the community grassroots level, we're constantly talking about restorative justice. What does restorative justice look like? And for those who don't know, restorative justice is that space that we create that allows those who have offended and harmed others to sit down with those who have been harmed by their actions and talk about the ways in which amends can be made and they can heal so that they can move forward. And it gives the opportunity for those who've been harmed or the victim or the survivor to then say what they need to make things right. And so essentially we're talking about taking restorative justice from the grassroots level and in our communities and imagining what that looks like for black leadership. Because what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to perform anti-blackness for white consumption. I'm not going to perform anti-blackness for you know those who don't like either of us. They don't care that you have a valid concern about Kamala or Joe Biden. What they care about is that we can't get ourselves together and so we can't think strategically and think about how we're gonna move forward. So I'm reminded of the quote by Rebecca Solnit that said that voting is a chess move, not a Valentine. So it's an opportunity for us to intentionally be strategic, not saying that we're in full agreement with what somebody's policies and ideas are, but understanding that we all evolve. And I think I speak for all of us when I say that we've all done and said something that has been harmful and in hindsight 2020, we look at that and then we allow that to inform how we move forward. What the hope is is that this ticket is listening and if they aren't listening, then we know what we have to do. But there is nobody who is more unqualified and more unwilling or um, you know, unwilling to listen to the people than Donald Trump. So again, it isn't one of those, well, they're all this way, let's throw them out. It's about being strategic and thinking about how we um, make moves that are going to prevent the consolidation of power. Thank you so much. I'm, thank you for being here. So last, I just decided to do this and I was like, I know the people who can move the people. So I'm gonna gather them today. And we're for this last minute push, there are 21 states where you can still vote. And I was mm -hmm. like, I need to have my girl on here because she got also. Also, really quickly, too, for those who want to help, um, even if you've already voted, if you're in line, if you got an extra fold-up chair, bring one for somebody else who may be disabled or elderly. If you have, like, a couple of snacks or something, bring some extra. I know that I saw a report that was saying in Georgia, there were people who were waiting in line for over six hours. So that was, like, the average time. There were people that were putting in a full day of work just to get their vote in. So I think that for those of us who have voted early and for those of us who may be out already, obviously protect yourself, wear masks, wear gloves and things like that. But think about how you can support those who are waiting in line, who you know may be hungry, who may be tired. Um, I saw Ayanna Presley is in Boston up there line dancing, stepping and pumps and doing all this and they're dancing at the polling site in Boston, Massachusetts. So we see uh, a lot of leadership, local leadership, coming out to show their folks some love. So if you are someone who has already done your due diligence and you're just sitting at home biting your fingernails down to the nubs and you don't have anything else to do, show up and raise somebody else's spirit because this is a moment that is going to really uh, determine how we move forward as a country. And it has very strong um, uh, impact that can be had. So let's get it. Thank you. I love you. I appreciate you. And I'll be watching you, you for the rest of the day. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. See you soon.
All right, there we have it. Ashley Marie Preston came through to um, speak on some specifics. I see some of you sounding off in the comments. You are not bringing any positive change by voting for Biden or Trump. You are continuing corruption. The perfect uh, comment to post while I bring in my next guest because um, she got this. I'm gonna let her have this because <laughs> I get tired of this. Um, all right, my next guest is my none other than <laughs> she's my friend, a friend of the show. Actually, a, a brilliant mind writer, co a comedian, journalist, TV star, soon to be California resident. My girl Chloe Hilliard. Yeah. What is going on? How you doing? I'm doing good. I know you saw. I saw that comment. And I was like, let me just get Chloe. I just can't do it today. I got so funny. Let me tell you something. I live in Bedside, Brooklyn, right? And people are not stressed out because they're just like. I mean, I think their sentiment is like what this caption says. It's like yes. I may not be able to change, but at least I feel better knowing that I was a part of it or my name is going to be on the record of those who voted for democracy or against it. And so like I'm in the I'm in I'm, I live in a brownstone, so I'm in the front of my building and my neighbor has like their pit bull tied up and they're like barking. And I'm in here because in the back, my backyard neighbor is blasting music. So niggas don't really give a fuck what today is. <laughs> but they may have voted or they may not have voted. Like we know that our lives on a day-to-day -day level will not change tremendously under Biden. But let me tell you something, it will get tremendous, tremendously worse under he who should not be named. And I think that is the most fucked up thing about the way we um, take in history in America is because, because white people want to make sure that we don't really realize how terrible they treated people of color in this country they sanitize things, which speaks to Chris Rock's point about not liking civil rights movies. And I feel the same way. I don't watch slave movies. I don't watch civil rights movies because I, I, I know the history because I made myself learn the history. But I know that what they're showing us is not nearly a, a fifth of how bad it was. And so when people don't realize how bad shit is, it's easy for you to say in 2020, in the year of whatever Lord you believe in, that, oh, it can't be much worse under Trump. Like, white people did terrible, terrible things to black people in this country. And because we don't talk about it, because we don't talk about when black people were lynched in America, that white people in the village or the town would come to see them be lynched. They would take photos. They actually sold those postcards. They would take the ashes and the remnants of the lynched black person's body and sell them as suva fucking mirrors in this country. Like we don't talk about how a black man was one of the first postmaster generals and the white town didn't want a black man running as postmaster general who was appointed by the president at the time. I forget his name. But if you Google black postmaster general lynched by white people, he will come up. They lynched him and they killed one of his children because and burned down his house. His wife and two other children survived because they didn't want a black man being in charge of the mail. So when you don't understand how diabolical racism is, how much it has infiltrated the psyche of every black and brown person who's lived here for multi-generations, when you don't understand the pain that we feel that we think is everyday existence as a black or brown person is really years of PTSD, is way of, it's our way of internalizing the shit in order for us to want to fucking leave the house. Of course you want to say, oh, it can't be that worse but we are living, breathing testaments of how fucked up it's already been and we still are surviving. And that is more to us and our resilience 
than it is to the treatment that we're receiving because yes, there's still racist and they still do racist policy, but we're not really checking for the little blips. That's why people don't vote in the midterm elections because they're not really checking for the little blips. People won't be upset until we are being shipped to plantations again. But that's fucked up that that has to be the level in which we'll get upset because on every single day they are lying to our face and talking to us like we're fucking idiots every day and we ignore it. So stop trying to have these rules of massive um, like extremes. Like we don't need no more extreme shit no more. Like we shouldn't have to wait for people to burn down buildings and people to be killed or people being filmed being killed on video for us to say Stop treating us like fucking animals. Like it, it shouldn't take all of that. So if you believe that your vote doesn't count, more power to you. But don't think that your vote doesn't count. And because you didn't vote, that you are abstaining from the responsibility of whatever the fuck that needs to happen in this country. Like if you didn't vote, I, I fully expect you to have left the country by now. Cause like if you're not gonna vote and you stay in here, what's the fucking point? Like you're not gonna come to the party not seeing and one cake. Get the fuck out of here. Sorry, I had to get up. No, the, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm marking that one down because that's going to be one of my clips for the week. <laughs> you know, I love when you go off. That's my favorite, Chloe. Is, Wait a minute now. <laughs> I just, you know what? This is a conversation that I like to have with you because you and I have these conversations that the, there are people who love going around telling, uh, telling others y'all clowns for doing this but then if you watch them you follow their path and you watch what they're doing absolutely nothing and i remember my grandmother telling me that she couldn't read the ballot that's why she didn't vote because she couldn't read and she couldn't read because of what happened in puerto rico was so bad and the way she is a direct descendant of a slave my grandmother's grandmother was a slave in puerto rico a black slave in puerto rico so she couldn't read and she was too busy surviving and so when I go to the the polls, I always think about my grandmother who couldn't. And I ha I hate to have to hear people tell me that I'm a sellout because I'm voting. I'm not voting for the man who took out a front page ad in a newspaper to have young black men executed for a crime that they were not even convicted for. So yes, I'm a vote, and I'm a. I'm you gonna miss me with all your your you know all of these intellectual intellectualizing of why Do, um, Donald Trump is no worse than Joe Biden when you are watching in real time white supremacists harassing 20 year old black girls who are trying to go vote they are showing up with guns they are mad mad look at all you please let's talk about the the boarded up businesses oh yeah it's crazy cuz i was um I was driving around the city for something and I was like, wow, what are you boarding up? And I said, oh, election day. And so you and I talked about this last night. Um, the thing about people boarding up businesses is that those people are not afraid of the militias, right? They're not afraid of the people who are going to really truthfully incite the riot. They're not afraid of the police. Those businesses are not afraid of those militias. They are afraid of the black and brown people who they believe are going to loot their business, right? And so they're not even invested in the political plight or the reason why people are going into the street, meaning whoever the president is, that is of no never mind to them. They want to protect their business. 
And so when you see the boarded up buildings, it's like, we know some crazy shit gonna happen, but we just wanna make sure that our merchandise is cool. And we still don't have to give a statement about whatever the fuck is the reason why people are in the streets because we gonna get the same tax breaks. We gonna make the same amount of money unless somebody comes in and radically changes the White House, but that's not gonna happen. And that is the thing that we have to understand. It's not gonna be no overday miracle. It's not gonna be all of a sudden everybody's getting, you know, universal basic income or universal health care and all the colleges are gonna be free. That's not what it is, but it what it does is allows us to hold this country's feet to the fire. And the biggest problem this country's had is that there's never truly been um, reparations, not just for African Americans, but for all for all the groups of people of color who have come to this country. Not for the Asian community, not for the Native American community, not for you know the Eastern Europeans that they didn't want to be white at first. Like there's so much that was never addressed, and even after the Civil War, it's like all the Southerners who were basically sent to North America, like fuck this country, we about to get out of here with our slaves, like. They were given like positions of power. They were allowed to be politicians. And so how are you going to go to to go into business with your mortal enemy? You're not going to hold them accountable and they get to keep doing the fuck shit that they was doing before the war. And so now you have all of these people who are in positions of power and they've never been held accountable or they've never been told and with law to back it up that you're dead fucking wrong. We're not going to tolerate this anymore. You cannot get another job. You're not going to be able to go write a book deal. You're not going to be able to be a person on television making all this fucking money knowing that you stabbed us in the goddamn back. Like, you got to go sit the fuck down and, and, and take your lumps. And that's not what this country has done because that would mean that white people would have to chastise other white people. And they won't do that outright. They won't do that. They will never do that outright, even though that's what needs to be done. But now you have a more brown country and more progressive white people who are going to say, nah, we really got to tell these niggas that they was wilding. Like they really, they really got to go to jail for real. This is too much. I got kids in cages. Nah, nigga, not kids in cages. That's too much. That's, I mean, I will spit on a black woman any day of the week, but I'm not going to put no kids in cages. That's too far. Y'all do too much. Like that's the, we're at the breaking point. You know what? They won't even hold each other accountable at the dinner table. Oh. Um, you know, what yeah. it's really interesting. You and I have had this conversation that true allyship is not it's not a hashtag. It's not donating. It's being willing to lay down your privilege to create equity for other people. And that is how you really uh, affect change with the power that you hold, even if you think it's a very a little bit of power. It is impactful if white people in America said enough is enough. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the reason why we are having white people, and I don't want to speak on behalf of white people, I haven't spoken to all of them, but I do believe that a part of the reason why there is more of a um, understanding of what needs to happen is because the the overreach, right, the political overreach has gone so far that now they are intruding on basic white people's daily rights, right? And so now they're like, wait, I'm being now I'm being inconvenienced too. Wait, because you don't want the black and brown people to have abortions. Now I can't have an abortion. That's crazy. Like, wait, because you don't want poor black and brown people to have universal income. Um, universal income. Now I only got one stimulus check for twelve hundred dollars. Like now y'all fucking with my money. And so there's more 
white people, because the middle class has been pretty much evaporated and because there's such a huge wealth gap between the top one and 4% of this country and everybody else, now white people are being like, my shit ain't so sweet. Now, now I'm mad. Now I got to side with black and brown people because they've been telling the truth this whole fucking time. Y'all are terrible. And now I'm feeling the repercussions of that. And so you see it even with this election, uh, the GOP is so focused, focused on trying to lay down this blueprint of like voter fraud that they're disenfranchising their own voters from voting. Right. So just now today, um, a voting poll, all the machines went down. That was not a Democratic uh place where that went down but now you got white people standing in line being like wait you making sure that we can't vote too i thought it was just the black and brown people anymore now we not vote oh y'all gotta get out of here now y'all gotta get out of here so you mentioned something uh earlier about abortion and i wanted to uh, i wanted to um just speak briefly on this donald trump uh, posted a video of a black man uh, that was saying, basically, basically, you're our Messiah. And he was like, I don't have time to be worried about Roe versus Wade. I'm too busy trying to feed my family. And he had the orange, you know, coat on looking like he was a maybe a construction worker or whatever, which I believe they hire these people because I've gotten the breakdown for this before. But but there are people who are I saw your post with the Ice Cube, uh, you know, the Forex 5D, and you know, I laughed because I was like, my my friends are lit, right? <laughs> but there are those people who are who who speak about abortion, the gay agenda. They talk about these things as if these things are that are not a thing of, that belongs to our communities, but rather an infection that white people gave us to try to get rid of us. And I, I really wanted you to speak to that because you and I have had this conversation before. Yes. So I think the perfect example is um, is the whole Joe Biden and the 1994 crime bill, right? And so I watched this video yesterday and it tickled me, tickled me pink. This is a guy, clearly, you know, like a black man um, who's familiar with the streets and was out there doing crime. And so he was basically telling people like, you know, you're going to say that you, I'm not going to give him his, his performance nearly the amount of justice it deserves. But basically he said, you guys are saying that you don't want to vote for Biden and you rather vote for Trump because Biden did the 1994 crime bill. But he was like, but this is the thing you don't understand. We were legit doing crimes. So like, <laughs> if you saying that, if you're willing to do the crime, you're willing to do the time, whether it's seven years or 17 years because it's a systematic uh, oppression and a racist rule, you knew that going in, those was the odds. And what people like to forget about the 1994 crime bill is that drugs had infiltrated the black and brown community and it was black and brown community leaders, i.e. the black church who went to the politicians and said, we need help. You need to come get these niggas, lock them up, right? And the reason why this is the biggest thing that people don't understand is like, Yes, that is the way that black people know how to deal with black people who are problematic because that is the way that we would discipline when we were on a plantation, right? And so if you see a nigga acting up and you know that this nigga acting up is going to jeopardize your well-being, it's going to fuck with your family and your pockets, you're going to say to somebody, come get this nigga now. You're not going to say to them because it wasn't the way it was on a plantation. You're not going to go to that problematic person and be like, would you like to sit and talk about your feelings and like get to the root of why you're showing your ass right now so that we can all come together as a community? You don't have time. That is a luxury, right? 
That is a luxury and a privilege to sit down and have the time and the safety and the economic protection to ask somebody what their fucking problem is. And that's not what we do in the black community. When somebody's a problem, you need to get them the fuck up out of here. So when the drug epidemic was happening, it was tearing up the black and brown community. We wasn't thinking about therapy or rehab. Those are not options that are given to poor people in this country when you are oppressed. We would say immediately, chop, chop, arrest this motherfucker, get up out of here. And so it was black churches and politicians who went and said, we need help, come lock them up because this is the only way we know how to deal with problematic people is to get them locked up. And they were behind that bill. So now fast forward, all of a sudden, oh, Joe Biden was out to get black people and throw them in prison. Do your history. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> oh man, I'm glad you're here. You can stay if you want. I'm gonna bring on Eric. I, you know I love to have you here. I wish Ashley did not leave because I just wanted I just wanted popping off for the next two hours because many of us do the work. Many of us find the information. We educate ourselves. I didn't graduate from college. I had to go learn stuff that I didn't know before I I stepped my ass in front of a microphone and speak on things that I don't know about. And right now, so many people are being swayed emotionally that they're not getting facts. And so those damn, the, the damn crime bill has become the Benghazi of the last election. And the pedophilia is the pizza gate. And it's like, those are the talking points. But if you speak to those people and say, all right, you break it down for me, they wouldn't know what to say. Yeah. Um, Eric Rivera is joining us uh, from uh, the East Coast as well. Eric has on a mask, and uh, oh, his! <laughs> I'm not trying to catch nothing. <laughs> What's going um, on? I, so, listen, you voted. Yes. And I wanted to talk about the Latino vote, right? So, because. We are so split. We are all over the place because uh -huh. we got a plantation of our own. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I wanted to ask you, what is it that voting means to you? What is it that it means to you being of Guatemalan descent, which is Central American and Puerto Rican? So two different types of Latinx people in this country who are treated very differently, but right. yet at the same poorly. So go ahead. Well well, first, let me say I'm I'm excited because I'm seeing like you know Latinos are are turning up right now at the polls. Like I, I think it was what like three million showed up in 2016, and we're we're almost tripling that now. Um, so the reason I vote, growing up, it wasn't it wasn't instilled into me. It was, you know, my dad being Puerto Rican, he was very like, hey, look, we don't cause waves, we don't vote, we don't get involved in politics. Same thing with my mother. Uh, who just more, more recently started voting. And, and for me, it is definitely something I do want to teach my kids. I, I vote for my kids. I, I want them to learn the power there is in voting. I feel like a lot of, a lot of families, especially in the Latino community, just, ah, no, that's not for us. We don't, we don't vote. Let's not partake. Let's not do. And we, we just feel like we're left out of it. Okay. Well, that's an honest answer, and I appreciate that. But I think that because of what Chloe said earlier, a lot of us are so busy. Um, our parents were working. They right. did not have a post-secondary education. Voting right. was a luxury because yeah. they can't get off of work. And they don't think that 
it affects them anyway, right? Yeah. There are a lot of people, and 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 mind you, a lot of Latinos, Latinx people in this country are not undocumented. A lot of them are citizens. Puerto Ricans are citizens of the United States. A lot of, you know, New York is being has had a revolution with the Dominican community, and they are citizens of the United States. They are not illegal or undocumented people. Uh, right. But we've been led to believe that it doesn't make a difference because the way they're going to treat us is going to continue. The, they're going to continue to treat us bad anyway. Yeah, so, well, that, like well, that, that's always been the narrative in this country, though. It's like you know, you you know, we're, we're constantly told, "Oh, you're part of this country. You're part of the fabric that gets the country going." But then we're treated as as if we're not. Like you take the last election, you know, you had a candidate talking about, "Oh, Mexicans are are, are rapists and drug dealers," right? And I know I'm not Mexican, and I know Ida's not Mexican, but when the general population looks at us, they automatically put that, like, oh, that, that's them. You know, so uh, it, it's a beautiful thing to see us coming out now. Like, we need to come out more and, and really vote and, and have our voices heard because it's sad. Like, we're part of this country, and we need to act like we're part of this country and make our voices heard so that people treat us like we're part of this country. And you know, it's funny, that's why I wore my flags today so people could not be confused. They know that I'm Puerto Rican. Yeah. Um, I'm joking. I'm, I'm standing in solidarity with the island because today they go again and vote just to see if they want to, yeah. um, like DC here. Well, DC is a little further along in terms of statehood, but Puerto Ricans are also going to the ballot today to, to decide if they want to move forward with trying to pursue becoming a state. Um, but, you know, the other thing is that Latinos, Latinx people are black. They are Asian. They are white. They are transgender. They are, um, you know, they are all of the things that everything else. We're not a monolithic group. And many of us are affected in different ways with the whole George Floyd reality is and Breonna Taylor is something that in my house hits different, as the kids would say, than white Latinos who don't see a reflection of themselves being murdered in real time. So when we talk about our groups, you know, and, and listen, I want you and, and Chloe to chime in on this. There's a really big, um, there's a big misconception about socialism in this country, and it is being used to really, really poke at people from Venezuela and Cuba to vote for Trump by saying that that the Democrats are trying to turn this country into a socialist country. And, and a lot of Latinos, Latinx people are voting the other way because they are being emotionally driven because they're afraid based on the realities of their countries without knowing you know, how much America has had an impact on the things happening in their own countries. Yeah, we, we, yeah we're seeing it in Florida big time. Like the, the Cuban Americans are just, all about that. They, they had that salsa commercial come out, and I was like, "Yo, <laughs> what is happening right now?" Well, he's doing the little. I was like, "Come on!" But I, it's it's like, uh, and I know you and I have had these conversations offline. It's like they know how to divide us to sort of divide and conquer the Latino community. So doing that, they know they they're taking the power away from us of going. Oh no no no, we don't want that socialism. So the Cubans go right away. The Venezuelanos go there. While the other people are like, we're all fighting on this side, and then we start fighting with each other, and nothing gets solved. Yeah, I think also the biggest uh, accomplishment that white America has been able to do is to convince the world that African Americans are lazy and evil. 
And so if you have a common enemy, it makes your friendship go by more smoothly. It helps you build faster because now you both have something, or in this case, a group of people to uh, look down upon. And so the biggest reason why when the conversation about Black Lives Matter first started and, you know, some people was like, don't try to co-opt this movement with your own ethnic groups movement because we've been fighting for the same things for hundreds of years. And we know as soon as we get it, y'all going to benefit from it, too. It's like so y'all should be helping us get this accomplishment. And I think that's the thing that people don't realize. And I was talking about, like, how we sanitize history. It's like if people of color truly knew how badly this country treated indigenous and African-American people, they would be on our side. But the biggest propaganda is to be say, is to say to them, you don't have to side with the black people, just come over here and we give you what you want. And then you don't get it anyway. And so you have to really realize like who is controlling the board. And I think now we're starting to understand who controls the board. And so there's more power in solidarity. And I believe that if people, of color came together to really point out like all the fuck shit that we're being fed and also to compare notes. Cause that's another mm -hmm. thing we don't do is to compare notes. We will be at a better advantage. So um, I, I saw someone saying that they wanted to confirm that Mexicans, oh, Noel said, I wanna confirm that we are not rapists, murderers or whatever was brought up. Yeah. We were actually quoting the president of the United States who said yeah. that when yeah, no, I, I wasn't saying you were Mexican Americans or Mexicans because we weren't saying here. But that, but listen, but that's what they said. They've said about African Americans. That's what you know. Um, that Amer that great, not great, but the old movie that um, the cabin, Uncle Tom's cabin, or something. What was the movie that like shaped and molded the KKK? It's like this is all propaganda. And if you if you really take a second to like step aside from what we think the fight is, and then truly understand where the power lies, we would be, we would work smarter and not harder. Yes. So you guys, did you guys vote early? Nobody yeah. voted today. I yeah, voted I voted. Early. I voted early. I, uh, I'm on the East Coast right now. I, we got out of LA right before the flu, uh, flu season. Just because I, you know, I haven't seen my family in over a year. I don't know when I'm going to see them again. So we brought the kids out here. So we, we voted early, but uh, if anybody's watching, hasn't voted yet, please go out and vote, please. Um, and if you are Latino, uh, you know, second generation, go to the polls. Cause sometimes you'll find people that get overwhelmed that may not speak to the, have a full grasp on the language and they'll be confused and people will send them, give them the wrong information, go help if you can. Yeah, and you know there are 21 states where you can still go vote, right? There is it 20 uh, uh, register the same day. Yeah, same day registration. Mm -hmm. um, also, if you see someone, and listen, I'm from the hood, and I'm gonna always shout out the hood, and I and I know that some of the people from the hood that from the homies from the hood watch, they'll jump on and watch True Serum, and they'll send me a message on Facebook and be like, "I see you, girl." Listen, all the homies in the hood, if you see elderly black and brown people going to Help the bone, go with them. The people trying to intimidate them. If you're going to go to jail for committing crimes against people who look like you, don't. Go out there and use that, that who spies, they say, that, that fire to protect your communities and your people because I'll be damned if I let somebody intimidate an, an elderly person of color in my residence, black person, not happening. And I just think that we need to, we, we need all hands on deck right now. I think it's very important. Um, 
So I want to say thank you to you both for being here. I think that um, it is important for people to understand that comedians do not have a union. We're independent contractors as comedians. And there are a lot of, uh, we're, we're the blue collar workers of the entertainment business. So when people say, um, you know, talk about us as if we're all Dave Chappelle and Chris Rock, they don't know how yeah. much we have to work. Um, so we, we show up and vote for many reasons that affect the economy because they affect our families as well. We work hard just like everybody else. And so I think it's important for me to have um, my smart friends come and show, join me on the show. Thank you no, for I, being I, here. Yeah, I, thanks for having to, having us and also for doing this because I, I feel like especially during all these times, it's been a lot of like, oh, stick to jokes. But we have to have these conversations to sort of educate people on what they're voting for, the things that happen in the community, you know? Yes. So you have uh, a special called Super White, which is hilarious right now to say that on HBO Max. Yes. <laughs> um, swell out. And uh, Chloe, you have a podcast. Yes, I do. I do a weekly uh, live weekly podcast. It's called Chloe Across America. Uh, you can watch it here on YouTube. Just type in Chloe Hilly and my channel will pop up. Um, it's 10 p.m. Eastern. So 77 p.m. Eastern. I mean, Pacific time. And I have panel of comedians and we roast the headlines. And so that's been very therapeutic in these very trying times. All right now, thank you for being here. I'll see you um, shortly. Bye. Um, we're gonna keep the conversation going. The guests are gonna keep uh, popping up. People are gonna keep coming to the show and we're gonna keep having the conversations. But for, but most, most importantly, we're gonna continue to encourage people to go out and vote. So if you are um, uh, chill out 2020, you're gonna keep with the same comment. I just realized that you are uh, actually uh, trolling us. Uh, I'm, I regret the time that we spent on that. <laughs> But if you are um, in one of the states where you can still go vote, please go vote. Stand in line if you need uh, um, assistance. If you are being intimidated, I will post. Um, actually, we're going to post uh, a, a graphic that has a phone number that you can call. Um, next, I want to bring uh, to the, the, stat, the stage, the platform, one of my friends who um, is her birthday. It's her birthday. But um, she's actually been very vocal using her platform. She takes on the whole taps. She takes on the hoes. She takes them all, the Karens. <laughs> Happy birthday, boo. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. How you doing? I'm good. I, um, you know, I definitely was encouraging people to vote today and, um, and every day because it is so important um, I think one of the things we need to focus on is in the event that this turnip is still in office and it will be to no fault of our own because we have most certainly had a lot of uh, ignorant conversation uh, when it comes to people voting or the them feeling like they don't have, they don't need to vote. Um, if we should have this turnip in office, we need to figure out a game plan on how we're going to move forward because um, it's it's going to get crazy. It's going to be real nasty. Yes. Um, and, you know, you are in New York right now. Um, I've, I've seen that people have been 
bordering up stores. It's like people are preparing themselves for a revolution, um, which I always feel like that's all propaganda. It creates, uh, you know, it stimulates the economy of the companies who sell the, the materials. And um, it just it just continues to instill fear in us. And I don't know about you, and I know you are. Aren't you tired of being? Aren't you tired of the narrative being like y'all do? Y'all fall in line, or else. It's just I'm tired of that. Yeah, you know what I'm really tired of is the state that we like in general, like good, bad, and different. The whole thing. I'm, I'm tired of the whole thing. I'm tired of the conversations on both sides. I'm tired of like inequality, inequity. Um, I'm tired uh, of the fact that it takes so much work just to have people consistent enough in their minds that they understand that we need to get to a place and a platform um, where people are not worrying about where their livelihood is coming from, worrying about where their food is coming from, worrying about where their homes are. Simple shit. Simple shit, right? That we have to worry about on on both sides, the shenanigans on both sides. But I'm going to tell you the real issue is the reason why people are boarding up the stores, and I I do agree with you uh, that there's a lot of propaganda around that. But the reason why I'm I'm not going outside today, if I can help it, other than go to go around the corner, is because in the last year or so, the way uh, racist white people have been emboldened, allowed to do whatever they want. the police aren't checking them because the police are also white supremacists um, under the guise of being cops. Um, it's really not safe for us to be in that environment. White people are going to, if if Donald Trump does not become president again, poor white hillbillies that have been carrying that nigga on their back like an atlas are going to be out in droves. Causing havoc. You have to understand the fact that we have a president, an incompetent president who has no history, no track record. The hypocrisy of this man, the hypocrisy of the United States of America. America has blood on its hands. So to be honest with you, whatever happens after tonight, if there is bloodshed, if there is war, it is because it is coming. You know the amount of dead souls on this land. You have a president who is in office, who spent his entire time prior to office focusing on whether President Obama was even an American citizen. The same man, not only is he married to an immigrant, he but his prior marriage was to an immigrant. All of the man's businesses and exports are from foreign lands. The man has never held any political office, has never had any training. And then you have to ask yourself, how did this nigga become president? Because America is so racist and stands on such inconsistencies and hypocrisies that it will let an inept, incompetent white man with a little dough do whatever he wants. And until we stop letting these double standards be a part of our system, we will always be in a double jeopardy like we are now. The fact that that white woman walked into a Supreme Court uh, um, position has no qualifications, doesn't even probably have enough qualifications to be a temp. 
Do you understand? Probably has no idea how to pass any of the, the testing to be a temp temporary worker. And they let her march into the Supreme Court. Incompetent, inconsistent hypocrisy. And that's where we stand. And that's why we are so fucked up. Because for those who believe in God, believe in spirits, or whatever you believe in, that you know that there's a higher power other than man that keeps running around this world and making these kind of decisions, you understand that it is disrupting the spirit of peace, happiness, progress for everyone. When we allow white people and their incompetency to reign supreme without being checked, that's why tonight people are boarding up their houses. Because ignorant ass hillbillies with less education than a gnat will be allowed to walk around this world, America, unchecked by their white supremacist brothers who hide behind the badge and really don't have to hide behind the badge because if we remember the same system that rounded up the slaves is the same system that is the police. Never have they changed their tenements, never have they changed their honor, their code. So yeah, go inside until we figure it out. Go get guns, go get ammunition, go get whatever you have to get to protect yourself. Especially if you're a woman out here by yourself. I'm sharpening knives, I got the cat sharpening knives. <laughs> we, didn't, we didn't get a chance to go to Walmart and, and get our free um, uh, with a bag of, a bag of uh, a, a, a candy corn, what they're giving out to white people. If any white person that decide they wanna walk out and get a bag of candy corn, they also get an AK-47. I saw, I watched the thing on, on this again with the hypocrisy. I watched this video streaming around on Instagram. It is a news report, Ida, a news report. So this means it's, you know, it's consistent. It's coming from somewhere. I don't know, even the dogs are barking. They don't want the nigga to be president again. I'm watching the shit swirl around, swirl around town, town, okay? This white man is talking about how he's been collecting ammo since the 80s. The 80s! When I was a kid, he has, he has guns that he got from an Australian army. I, like, wow. the way, and, and he, he's withholding his name for privacy. Mm, mm, mm. And I said, what's so hilarious is a nigga can't have a firecracker in their house and they know everything about the nigga's grandmother, everybody. Isn't this the same reason why they said they went barging into Breonna Taylor's house because her boyfriend was this and he had this and that and this and that? Meanwhile, P.S. back at the ranch, this white nigga got a whole, he has enough to start his own civil war, not boo-hoo. Bucharest about who this nigga is. The FBI ain't trying to check him, and he's living in some fucking tent in Pennsylvania, living his back his best life, going back and forth with niggas. Right. So again, it is hypocrisy. It is inconsistency. And then, because I can't leave the brothers alone, I've talked to so many brothers about voting. If I don't see another black man for at least what uh, 12, 13 years, <laughs> it'll be too soon. I'm like when I see black men, I'm just like I'm Rachel Charles with it. I'm Stevie Wonder with it. I can't, 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 can't with you. 
I can't. I can't with this passive aggressive bullshit. All these niggas is on the same shit. It's almost like they scan these niggas' brains with some whatever that Nanu Nanu Mork and Mindy shit was. They scan these niggas, and they, all these niggas is marching to the same fucking stupid ass drum about well it don't matter both sides is but and like nigga, you don't have no motherfucking alternative to not voting because your non-vote is a vote for the tyrant that's in office that P.S. is allowing you to be trauma porn for America. You understand? And now they go, well, this side bad, that side bad. If he stays in office, nothing changes for us. If he goes into office, nothing changes for you. I, I don't know if, um, I don't know if you niggas have been if you walked into maybe a meat locker and got froze up for four years, like a lot of these niggas, you know, I don't know if there was like a men in black thing where somebody and and erased your memory and, and told you that you was Patty LaBelle's son. I don't know what happened, but if you had any kind of brains moving forward for the last four years, you should have seen all the shit going down that was problematic to you. And that is the problem. As long as we have black people talking about they not going to vote because it don't matter. As long as we have other people of color running around here talking about they conservatives and they got conservative values because they think because they not niggas at the bottom of the totem pole, it don't affect them. It does. As long as we have 53% of white women who will vote against their own special interests when they out here talking about me too and niggas hitting me in the pussy and trying to rape me and I, it's not fair and, and, and pussy hats and all this other shit. But when it comes down to it, these women will go and vote in, in the progression of whiteness and black men will go and vote in the progression and in the sanctity of male dominance. We have a problem, Houston. So I don't know who's going to win today. When did you vote? I voted Saturday. And let me explain something to you about my voting process. Okay. I live in Harlem, USA. Okay. And these niggas, the man, the man at the voting place. Because I said no, I don't want to go. It's going to be a line. I'm going to I'm going to go on my birthday, and I'm going to do it on my birthday. That way, if I'm standing in a long line on my birthday, I'm gonna feel some kind of way about at least positivity. But I decided to go on Saturday. I get there. They tell me my polling place is um, on 134th. So I go to 134th. The guy there's a there's a nigga there with all the nigga accoutrement. So I just knew this nigga was going to be a brother that was going to help me. You can't be a nigga with an onyx and all in here and the, and, the, and, the, and the nigga cap that holds the dread. You can't, ha you can't be that nigga super nigga with the, the patchouli oil and, and the stain and the, and, the, and the wise nigga beard from the Lion King. You can't be all this industrial strength nigga and then I ask you a question and you are not helpful. So there were four black men going in to vote, which shout out to them because they were older black men and I was very proud of them, you know? And as I was walking up, I saw these four older black men going into the place and then I saw a young brother and he, the young brother was shaking his head and I said, oh no, what's going on with him? So I tried to rush up there to help him because it looked like they was trying to turn him away. So by the time I got up there, 
the young brother had he was already walking away, but I was trying to figure out what was going on so I could go run after him. So I get there. Now this this uh this African uh uh a uh, whisperer, whatever this for this 120, all I can say is he's a 125th nigga, like this whole tepping uh a black Israelite sub uh Erica Badu hair rat wearing nigga with the sandals in the wintertime and, and, and the ashy toes. And I just, every time he looked at me, I just was like, is this the nigga from, like, is he, is he going to take me to Wakanda? That's how much black he was. Like, he had the whole thing. He had the whole thing. He looked like he, all he was missing was some incense selling and some soaps for two for five, right? <laughs> so I said, it can't be, this brother can't be the problem. So I said, I said, what's up? I'm trying to, I'm going in the vote. He's like, are you, you got to be at least 53 to come in here. I said, actually <laughs> two things happened. Number one, the nigga didn't think I was 53. Thank God. Because a rough one for me. Okay. I don't, I'm going to start a joke on this birthday. So thankfully the nigga didn't think I was 53. Now I go, because I asked follow-up questions, I said, okay, well, the information I got didn't say anything about I had to be a minimum of 53 to get up in here. So unless you got something telling me that, I'm going to walk up in here and vote. And then he said, no, you have to go to 135th because 135th is where, you know, 53 and under. And I said, I said, brother, how many people have you turned? I said, did you tell this young man this? Cause I had to go run after the young man. I said, how many people have you just told them they can't walk in here because they not minimum 53 years old and you don't turn people away from voting. Wow. Ignorant and inconsistent. So like I said, between that nigga and the other niggas we've been talking about, who knows who's going to be um, uh, uh, the president at the end of the day. But at the end of the day, if for whatever reason, they put Joe Biden in office, which they should. That nigga gonna die within two weeks, and Kamala's gonna be president because I, the the fact that these old niggas are still we love America loves a good three musketeers situation. They love a good old white nigga with no hope. Any if if it wasn't for the fact that these niggas was running for president, we would not even think these niggas would be alive. <laughs> why would you? Why these are the type of niggas you you wake up every morning you over them mirror and you put it underneath their nose to see if they still breathing. But now they good enough to be president. Both of them look like ghosts that uh, two seconds from transcending into heaven and we can ready to let the make it another. I love you. I love you. <laughs> I'm so glad you've been here. Um, I have another guest coming on. She's I have her for 15 minutes. Um, are you going to stay or are you going to leave? Oh, I can stay. Okay. Well, I, I, I like me. I like when you hear, and the and the people in the comment section do too. Um, I have um, Julissa Alcerraya, who has been very, very vocal, not just about our Latinx community, but always uh, also marching for Black Lives Matter, understanding what how important it is to have solidarity between the Black and Brown community. She is in Mexico right now, and actually, I don't know if you know, but please go to her page and follow her. She has a, a, a wrap-up show that she does on Fridays where she shares stories that you never hear about. And she was talking, uh, this week she talked. Uh, she shared a story about uh, some of the things that the Haitian community has been going through 
historically and presently in this country. And I just think it's very important to listen to the voices of the people who are telling the stories that the mainstream media doesn't. So Julissa, how are you? How you doing? I can't hear you. I'm here. Yeah. You know, you would think after so many months of uh of of uh making sure that you're unmuted that you would remain unmuted, but um but I was muted, so sorry about that. It's all good. I'm glad you're here. Um I wanted to there are a lot of uh there are a lot of Latinx people who are voting, um, and there are a lot of them who are not. There are a lot of them who are voting conservative because they say they're conservative and they don't realize that a lot of the conservative views are rooted in us not being here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, there are a lot of them who are uh, voting um, GOP because they keep saying that we're trying, Democrats are trying to turn America into a socialist country, specifically mm -hmm. from Venezuela like Cuba. So I wanted you to talk, you know, to chime in, uh, really let us know what you, um, what you think about this and I wanted you to share your views because it's so important to hear your voices. Yeah, um, thanks for thanks for for having me. I uh, I was listening a little bit to the conversation you were having earlier and uh I was laughing and thinking and uh I, I my, my comments won't be so funny. I I don't God gave me a lot of gifts but uh being funny was not one. <laughs> was not one of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, everything you just said, there's a lot in what, um, you know, what you were kind of going through. I think the thing that I'm really excited about, uh, even this early on, without knowing, we probably won't know the election results tonight. And I think that's important for people to kind of start to hear. Uh, it's not likely we're going to have any kind of official results tonight. And that's okay. Uh, because the reason for that is because so many people voted early, mailed in their ballots, and we've got to make sure that we are patient as every single vote is counted. Um, so that's the first thing is like, we won't know. We probably are not going to know who, who who won the presidency tonight. We will know about uh, perhaps about some of the other races, um, but because, because so many people vote early, we might not know tonight and that's okay. And uh, the, the, the thing that I'm really excited about though is how many Latinos have shown up to vote. In the 2016 election, there were about 3.5 million Latinos who voted early. In this election, it's nearly 9 million Latinos who have voted early. That is a huge increase in Latino voter turnout. Um, the number of Latinos who are voting for the first time is also pretty incredible. And if I can pull it up on my phone, I can give you some of those numbers, um, which, which to me are just so exciting because you know we kind of keep saying, the message that Latinos often hear is that Latinos don't vote. And uh, and I always push back against that message because it's not just that Latinos don't vote. Uh, I always say we've got to ask why. What what are the rest of us doing to make sure that our community is going out to vote? What are we doing to make sure that our community isn't facing uh, voter disenfranchisement, uh, which we know happens a lot in our communities. And so uh, I'm excited. The whole day I've been, uh, you know, I was watching I was watching the news coverage with my mom and my niece here in Mexico. Um, and my niece, she's four years old, she's so cute. I was taking a picture of her and she says, hang on, I need to put my lipstick on um, at four years old. So uh, it's been, it's been, it's been exciting to watch it. Um, 
because that's what I'm trying to focus on. Or that's what I'm trying to tell myself so that my nerves don't get to me is be excited about how many Latinos uh, are showing up to vote, which, which is pretty incredible, the turnout. Um, I see a lot of Latinos on here saying Latinos for Trump, um, Cubans, the Red mm -hmm. Wave is tearing Florida up now, Kirk of Cali, Aaron Lejean, Lu Luan, um, Jay Centeno, Jay Centeno 19. I'm glad you voted. Um, I don't know if you thought I was going to cry because you voted for Donald Trump. I think <laughs> one of the biggest problems is that we're having that people who really think that uh, I mean, there's a lot of ignorance because a lot of these people, I guarantee you, if you have conversations with them about the the actual policies, they don't know what they are. And it's like this identity that Latinos have. And, and I read this this study that a lot of us vote because we want to identify with um, upward mobility. We want to be associated with what we think is what we think is better than us, because when we think that that is the, you know, that that's the the standard. So I, I I just I just really am very interested in hearing how we're voting and why we're voting that way because these are not our favorite baseball team or football team. This, this is our actual. These are, this is the president of the United States who not only we should support because they're the president of the United States, but we'll hold accountable because they're public officials that we pay uh, to work for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's um, it's interesting because, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of Latinos that were voting for Trump uh, are saying, well, I just like what he did with the economy. But when you actually look at how the economy has been for the Latino community, it, it has not been better under under Trump. Uh, that is one of the greatest myths that somehow our community has believed. I mean, if you just look at, at for example, what's uh, what happened with COVID, right? 50% of all Latinos were either laid off or their hours were reduced during COVID, 50%. Only 18% of Latino-owned businesses received the Paycheck Protection Program. 18% only of Latino-owned businesses. And, um, and then you look at 20% of Latino households were excluded from any kind of help of the CARES Act. So 20% of Latinos didn't receive $1,000 or $2,000 because they live in mixed status families where one of the one of the people um, in the household is undocumented and therefore they were excluded from that help. And so when I actually look at the numbers, um, the, the, the economy has not been better under Trump. And we are not part of his vision uh, for making America great or keeping America great. That's the that's the thing that I uh, I have not been able to wrap my mind around uh, as to why there are uh, Latinos who are supporting Trump. Because when you look at the economic argument, which is you know one of the biggest arguments that Latinos for Trump make, we're not included as as part of that. Um, when you look at sort of the the religious aspect of it, of uh, of many Latinos being very religiously conservative and therefore the pro-choice, pro-life um, argument is why they vote for Trump. Uh, you know, Trump is not a religious man. He's he's not. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't conduct himself as as a godly man. Um, and the biggest thing that that, you know, I, I am a Christian myself. And uh, and the, the biggest thing that I always tell people about the pro-choice pro-life is, you know, I, I have never been in a situation where I've had to make a choice as to whether or not I should have an abortion or not. But the biggest thing is it should be my choice. 
And if you don't believe in abortion for yourself, that's your choice. But you shouldn't be the one having to decide for other people. And more importantly, the government shouldn't be deciding for women what we do with our bodies. So, you know, if you think that God is going to judge, God is going to judge me if, uh, you know, if I were to have an abortion, then let God judge me. But that's not a decision that that the government should make. So those are the biggest arguments I hear is on the economy and then on the religious aspect of it, the pro-life uh, argument, which, um, you know, but besides those two things, it's like you said, I think we view um, we, we think that whiteness can be ours and it doesn't matter what we do. Uh, we are not white and, and we are never going to be viewed as white. Um, you know, little, little crumbs to make us think that we can be like them. Uh, but the more time that we spend assimilating and trying to fit and trying to fold into whiteness, the longer that true justice is going to be delayed because we're focusing and we're putting our efforts on the wrong thing. Yeah, I appreciate that. I know you are in Mexico with your family, so I, I appreciate you taking some time to coming on and talking to us, but I definitely didn't want to do this today without having your voice because Thank it's you. such an important voice. Um, I want to remind people that you are also an author and that they can grab your book, so please share um, about your books and what's coming up. Thanks, Ida. You're the you're the best. You're I uh, I've I've been so blessed with your with your friendship and uh, thank you so much for always thinking of me. And yeah, if people want to support, I um, I wrote a couple of books. One is called My Underground American Dream. The other one is called Someone Like Me. And I am working on my third book now called Rejecting Assimilation. And uh, it's been it's been great to be in Mexico and get some of this perspective over here. And uh, I vote early, you know, just for the record. I'm over here on election day, but my vote, I already got my notification that uh, my county accepted my vote. So my vote has been casted. And I hope people who haven't gone out to vote yet that that they will, uh, you know, just a reminder that if you are in line uh, by the deadline of when your poll location closes, you can still vote, but make sure nobody sends you away. As long as you are in line, they have to let you vote. Um, there is a phone number. If, can I pull it up? Because there's a phone number that you can call if you're getting any kind of um, trouble. Uh, if people are not letting you vote, if they're if intimidation is illegal. Uh, so if you are, you know, getting verbal threats, or if if there are Trump supporters, supporters out there with flags trying to intimidate you, all of that shit is illegal. And there is a number you can call to make sure that your vote is protected. And that number is super easy, actually. It's um, it's one eight six six our vote. One eight six six our vote. Yeah, there it is. There is a number. Um, you know, call that number if you're experiencing any kind of uh, voter suppression yeah. and make sure that your vote gets counted. And, you know, for the, for the Trump supporters that are on here being like trying to be little trolls, like you said, thinking that we might cry. Um, we're not like, hey, you know, if you're going to go vote for Trump. I mean, that's you. That's your choice. Uh, and you, too, can stay in line and vote. Um, but, you know, maybe you got something better to do. Yeah, I mean, I don't even think it's, I don't think it's hilarious. And I get it, y'all trying to take the upper road, but these niggas are inconsistent also. And see, the problem is, and it's something that Jalissa said, what happens with America, and we have to be reminded because they did this, um, they did this with the Jewish people when they came over here, they did it with Italians, and they did it with the Irish. 
there's this thing that happens, this assimilation that a lot of uh, Hispanics are jumping into because the whiter you are, you think you're going to align yourself with something. And everybody has black people or niggas at the bottom of the totem pole. So as long as they got somebody to stand on top of, they think they're aligning with a system. Let me just tell you several things up front. Number one, as soon as niggas are eradicated from here or we are not at the bottom, you guys are. That's that. Number two, this system has been so inconsistent that it has also taken the Hispanic culture and then tried to dice it up and reduce it to either it is black, Hispanic, white, Hispanic, and there's no line in which person can stand in their own culture and identity. So when people like this come on and they are part of the Hispanic culture, the Latino culture, and they support, first of all, before we want to talk about the conservative issues, because we do know a, a lot of Latin cultures do have traditional values, family, home values, all of that stuff. We have to talk about how they are standing behind a man. The first thing out of his mouth when it came to Latinos was that you guys are rapists, murderers, and need to have a wall and still stand behind that, still trying to pay to get a wall built around you niggas right now. So for me, I don't have time for the jokes or the the games and coming here trying to put some shit down and, 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 and put a tear on a system where people are trying to build up because you can take that foolishness and you can go somewhere else. First of all, half these niggas is on Periscope and we all know all the niggas on Periscope, they live with their mama in a basement. They ain't got no job. These niggas probably can't even vote. That's facts. Or they some goofy ass white boy trying to pretend that they Hispanic or they some dumb uh, Hispanic man thinking he doing something and he's not. And he can go sit over there Right over there with them niggas is talking about they not voting because it don't matter. This is why we constantly have a problem getting justice in America because the that side over there, conservative, white, whether they're right, whether they're wrong, whether they talking about murdering babies, eating babies, sauteing babies, or whatever the fuck they talking about, they stand together in they nonsense. All them niggas, they don't even agree with Trump, half the shit he's doing, but they standing tall behind Trump and his inconsistencies because they stick together. Over here, we got women that don't want to stick together. We got black men talking about they ain't doing this. Black men talking about they ain't doing that. And we all frazzle and we already part of a subculture that is completely being annihilated by a male, white, male dominant culture. You cannot fuck around with white women and stand with white women because white women will go stand with white men. You cannot fuck around with black men and stand with black men because black men will stand with white men because they are men. Who else is over here doing anything? And and I don't have time to be telling niggas, oh, that's cute, I'm glad you vote. Don't fucking vote if you too fucking stupid to go make a vote that, that works out, not only for you, but the generations behind you, your family, your when when they said COVID, they said black people and Latin people was dying of that shit. And the second that they said we was fucking getting it more than everybody else, all them white people packed up their motherfucking banjos and stopped singing, oh, we are the world. And then they started complaining about wearing fucking masks in Starbucks because they knew they wasn't going to die. Yeah. So fuck that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to tell you no, the Bible when Jesus said, get the fuck out of my father's house because that's what's going down. You will not be disrespectful. And if the Dems took their time to start lightening these niggas' ass 
we wouldn't be here right now with some fucking nut job in the, in the White House and don't know how to get him the fuck out. And him saying, if he does get told to get out, he gonna stand and not get the fuck out. Yeah. Yeah, no, I hear everything you're saying and I uh, I agree with it. You say it much more powerfully than I do. Um, but I, I uh, you know, one thing that I, I decided to do uh, in this election is, uh, this election cycle is like try to focus more of my energy and my efforts to like energize the choir because I think sometimes like we keep like I hear people saying like oh you're preaching to the choir you're preaching to the choir and I'm like yeah but the choir needs energizing too you know so like instead of trying to convince people that they should come vote uh, that they should vote differently I try to spend a lot more time uh, talking to the people who have never heard, you know, your vote is important and your voice matters. And so um, for me, that's like where I've tried to spend like my time on is like trying to energize people to go out to vote, to feel like they have tools they need uh, in order to go vote. And uh, you know, that's why, I, that's why I said at the top of, at the top of, of me coming on is like, I'm excited to see how many people are voting early, how many people, are showing up to the polls uh, because I do think that the more the more that people vote, uh, what happens in elections is when you have high voter turnout, uh, Democrats tend to win those elections. Uh, why? Because Republicans a lot of times can only win when they are suppressing our votes, and uh, and so I you know I think it's uh, I'm glad to see that people are are going out to vote. I, I hope that we have record numbers. I hope that we have a good election result. And um, and the other thing is that when we have a different precedent, hopefully uh, the, the work doesn't end there, right? Like we know that we're gonna have to push for progressive policies to come out of a Biden-Harris administration too. And so the work doesn't end just because we have a different presidency. Um, we have to like continue to fight for the things that we that we want um, and for the policies that actually benefit our communities. And um, you know, I'm gonna keep I'm gonna keep uh, pushing for that for that to happen. Thank you. So I gotta wrap up this segment, but I wanna say thank you to my two queens who came and joined me. Yamanika, it's your birthday, so I owe you a phone call after Happy this. birthday. Y'all owe me uh, Biden as president. Yeah. <laughs> um, Spencer just sent me a text because he's coming on next and he was watching and he said, I love her. So he was talking about you, Yamanika. So oh, what a blessing. I, I love him as well. What a blessing. And Jalissa is so, so wonderful. I would love to stay in contact with you if you got anything going on because you're right. We should be preaching to the choir, but I'm glad there's people like you because I don't always have time to put my church robe on. <laughs> I will um, connect you too. Yeah, thank you. And I love you both. Thank you for being love here. You. I love those things. Thanks. Yes, yeah, she's here to You guys, she can cook too. <laughs> I love going over there. Um, we are continuing on with uh, Truth Serum, the election series. I have um, the election edition or the ejection edition is what we're calling it. Um, I'm going to bring on two people, uh, three people actually on for the next segment. People who I love dearly, who are uh, friends and family to me. Uh, I call them both. Actually, ironically, Chris Spencer is uh, part of the reason I started doing stand-up and Benjamin Crump is part of the reason why I went to Florida State. So they uh, have this symbolism. And then Vanessa Rodriguez Spencer, who is uh, my fellow Afro-Latina, Puerto Rican, Cuban fighter, 
fighter and uh angela Yee is joining the party so i i'm going to bring everyone on because i think it's important for us to use our voices and our platforms to remind people those of you who have not voted you can still vote and i'm going to say it because a lot of people don't to the homies in the hood those of you who go to jail and are always fighting people who look like you put that energy and making sure that our elderly get to the voting polls and have the protections that they need use that fire for that instead of using it to uh to hurt and harm people who look like you so um, i'm bringing on chris and vanessa spencer benjamin crump and angela Yee. it's a party y'all <laughs> party nonstop this, i don't care who you've had already this is your best uh show for sure right now <laughs> sorry thank you you don't understand Nothing but love all day. Angela, you have time res restrictions because you're hosting something right now, right? Yes, we're doing this black party at the polls all day long. So every single hour, there's different DJs coming on. I'm introducing everybody, doing all the segments. And so I have about 10 minutes before I have to jump back on. But I've been out giving out coffee at the polls all day, moving around. I just ran back in the house so I could get on here with you. I'm so glad you're here because... You, there are several ways to support people, and there are se everybody doesn't have to be a politician. You know, some you I've seen comedians, actors, singers try to turn into politicians. It's okay for you to use your platform and extend it to the people who actually do the work, and you do that all the time. So um, I'm I'm just thankful that first of all you're safe, and secondly that you are doing the good work. Um, Benjamin Crump. Hey Ada. That's what he called. But he's known me since I was a kid, so he gets. <laughs> hey, Angie, Chris, it's an honor to be with you. Angie, I love you as well. Uh, you know, I love the work that you do. I don't even know how you do it. I don't know what we would do without people like you. Hey, thank you, Ada. I just want to say I've been on the phone texting with uh, Senator Kamala Harris. We've been filing uh, pleadings and lawsuits for. Uh, supervisor of elections, Chris Hollis, a young brother, my frat brother, who the Republicans have sued personally. This brother is doing some incredible stuff, y'all. He's trying to make sure that everybody in Houston, Texas, and the surrounding counties that covers uh, his uh, area, all 8 million of them vote. So he came up with this idea to have, in the coronavirus epidemic, drive through voting. And as you all may have seen on the news, the Texas Republicans and the National Republican Party sued him and tried to uh, get rid of 126,000 votes. Uh, the federal judge sided with him, but said they had a problem with the security of drive-by voting. And you know, it's just ridiculous. They can come up with every reason why to say when black people and brown people have a better chance at voting a, a, a easier way to vote then they say oh that is voter fraud you can't do that but this young brother has been very strategic in trying to make sure everybody in his district gets to vote so those are the battles we fight in angie Yee, I, I know at some point we want to come on the breakfast club yes. to, about in North Carolina, Graham, North Carolina, and I tried to send it to you, this uh, organization called Justice for the Next Generation. 
were marching black people to the polls in North Carolina, another battleground state, and they literally tear gassed them, I'm sorry, pepper sprayed them and arrested 13 of those young brothers and sisters just for trying to exercise their right to vote. And you know what's crazy about it, y'all? Because they did that, a lot of those people did not vote because they did not want to be arrested. So we're still fighting these battles. Um, Vanessa and Chris, so you guys are the, the representation of what we talk about a lot on this show about black and brown solidarity because you have a, a black and brown household. Uh, Chris, you did a video today about the three types of black men who uh, don't vote. And I thought it was hilarious. Uh, we had a conversation. It, it created conversation pieces. Yes. I got we, a lot of calls. Yeah. And you got some comments and people were commenting and talking about Vanessa saying that you said something about the man with the white woman and Vanessa. And, and people were like, y'all don't know who Vanessa is. Vanessa is a, So I want I just wanted to talk, uh, just ask you briefly in terms of your household. You have bicultural children. They're black. They're still bicultural. How important is this election for, for the household and, and showing your kids what all of this means for their future? I've been waiting for this day for four years, since like November 9th at 3 a.m. Uh, 2016. Uh, I mean, I think my kids literally saw me wake up that next morning as a, a different person. I mean, I wrote my kids a, a letter. It was basically like this love letter to them that I penned at 2.30 in the morning, trying to figure out a way to explain to them that the world that they grew up in, um, seeing a black man at the helm of this nation, a nation that wasn't built for us, a nation that had done everything since its inception to keep us from achieving the first part of the Constitution, you know, the right to life, liberty, and justice in the pursuit of happiness, right? Like, we had never been able to really be a part of it. Um, and now, in 2016, it was like, it felt like that was snatched out from underneath us. So. You know, every day they hear us fight and hear this conversation of like, how, what do we do? How do we make this change? How do we educate people? And how do we get people engaged? I've taken my, you know, we've taken our kids to protests and, you know, taken them to political events that we've been to, uh, constantly engaging them in conversation. Um, Since they were very little. Yeah. Like, I can't even tell you how honored I am to, to be in the same presence and place um, and sharing a screen with. Benjamin Crump and Angela, I, I absolutely love your voice on the show in the morning. I think you bring such a, a calming perspective and a perspective of constantly trying to teach and educate without always making a joke and, and level set the conversation. She's fearless. Um, and I appreciate your fearlessness. It's, it's, um, it's, it's a much needed voice in addition to the show. And, yeah, and I- A lot of testosterone in that room. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Well. Yeah. You're a good, a you really good on and off the show. Um, I know, I know you don't have a lot of time, so I just wanted to make sure that I was conscious of that. But you are bicultural as well, and mm -hmm. uh, the Asian community has created a, a platform called the Golden Circles to find solidarity so that they can, because they don't have a big presence in government in America. And so you coming from, you always have identified as a black woman, but I know that that is also part of who you are culturally. So I wanted you to speak to that because the Asian vote actually is one of those votes that have a lot to do with, you know, what happens in America. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And you're right. Like I've always identified as a black woman. My mother is black and my father is Chinese. I don't think Chinese people look at me and be like, oh, they, here goes that Chinese girl. <laughs> so, you know, it is, but I've been hearing like lately, you know, there'll be people that like, she's not black. And, you know, that's the farthest thing from the truth. My whole life, that's how I've identified. It's never been questioned, I think, until now. Things have been so divisive lately. So that does really bother me. And, you know, it does bother me that there is so much uh, divisiveness just within different cultures, right? With Black people not liking Asian people, Asian people not liking Black people. I think, you know, one of the most important things is how we have so much more strength and we can come together. And I do feel like the way that a lot of things are set up here, it is meant for us to um, just have like this hatred for each other. And it's just difficult. I'm not going to lie. And I'm really looking forward to like everybody working on how we can achieve some more unity together. It, it feels like right now it's just a time where, you know, the China virus, like that bothers me. It's coronavirus. You know, and so let's just keep it what it is like. And people just have such negative things to say about each other. Sometimes it can get really exhausting. And I do feel like that comes from leadership right now. Um, yeah. I just uh, Go ahead, Ben. Um, no, I'm saying he's good at those little buzzwords, and those little mm -hmm. sound bites that can rile people up, like lock her up, China virus. And what's disappointing is seeing our people jump on this uh, bandwagon of believing this, these little these little things that get 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 the they, his base excited and now they're reacting to it as if they're part of his base you know yeah. a lot of our uh it's like the, the reason i made the video because i was uh flabbergasted and that's a word i've never used i used that earlier today for the first time in like <laughs> ever in my life that is so funny <laughs> this is like all these black people that are friends of ours ida that are or ada is uh you, <laughs> since he knew you first um, that, are, that are Trump supporters. Like we had a we had a, um, one of our friends. Me like, too. Yeah, I like his I like his policies. They speak to me. I, we're like, hold on. We're still waiting. My wife doesn't hold her tongue. She goes, "You don't make enough money for that to affect you." She's like, "Yeah, he gave money to the HBCUs," and I was like, "Spell HBCU." <laughs> now okay, he'll talk about, you know, healthcare. He'll have all these. There's, where's the plan on healthcare? No plan, but he he'll talk about, plan. okay, I'm gonna put this money in the black community. Where's the money? I don't believe you. I guess not happening. You, you know what I would say, Chris? Uh, I, literally, this man appointed. 300 federal judges for lifetime appointment, three Supreme Court justices, and not one of them were an African-American. Not even a Clarence Thomas type. Yeah, exactly. We can even get a sellout Uncle Clarence. <laughs> you couldn't buy one? And, and so this is the guy who you're going to say you support him. He has one black person, and I'm using that loosely, Ada, mm -hmm. in his yes. cabinet. And that's mm -hmm. Ben Carson. Yes. And, I mean, and he's in the wrong department. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I just think I, I'm so confused. It's it hurts. Like, yeah. Last night, the person said, you know, so you, I, I'm so hurt that you would, you would judge me on my feelings or think that, or say that you couldn't love me or be my friend. And I said, and, and I feel the same way that if you want to call me your friend and you want to say you love me, that you could vote for him. Like, I, I don't understand. I don't know how for your own personal well-being you could side with a man that has 
even if we just took life in a snapshot in these eight months, a man who over these eight months has been the center for all of this violence, what he did to the protesters to go take a picture in front of a church, right? Like, it's it's stunning to not to to tell the proud boys to stand back and stand down like encouraging the police to rough up like that's black lives matter yeah Yeah. there was both there was good people on both sides here's the one i heard today uh uh, mr crump uh you know because a lot of these brothers are they're 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 biden haters because of the crime bill right Mm -hmm. oh yeah uh like i didn't i've joked around and said it's like well some of y'all did what <laughs> so he was trying to tell me he was like, "Yeah, well, Biden did a eulogy for a Klansman," and I was like, "Trump is a Klansman." <laughs> so what, what do you, what do you, what, what are you, what are you picking? Like, and somebody was like, "You know, you're picking the lesser of two evils." That's that's what the quote is with these people. So I was like, "Well, would you rather have the flu or would you rather have cancer?" Yeah, and then, and, and the flu. I, I mean, I, and that was the thing, um, Angela. I want to be conscious of your time because I know. Yeah. Okay, so she's working. I know. I'm doing this stuff with Black Men Vote today. So I'm hosting the Dinner Club. I'm hosting Black Men Vote all day, so I got to get on with these DJs. <laughs> I want you to just use your your voice for this moment. If there's someone listening to you who is an Angela Yee fan and they love you. And they are in one of those 21 states where they can still go vote today. What would you say to them? I would say that it is a state of emergency. We need to get Donald Trump out of the White House. Your voice is extremely important. I want somebody in office who I feel like I can work with, who actually cares about people, who is willing to say, okay, this was a mistake. How can we fix this moving forward? Who I feel like we have a chance. I don't feel like we have a chance with Donald Trump. I feel like if he gets back in office, he's going to feel invincible. He's already laid down the groundwork for the things that he wants to do. If you read his book, follow his rhetoric, you know that there is nothing that is anything beneficial for us and for our community. So if you care about our community, put somebody in office who will surround himself with people who I feel like we can work with and get things done for real and not just lies and has something that we can do for coronavirus. People are dying. He's acting like it's not a big deal. Everything is about him and his ego and he's a liar. Thank you. So they break up with him, okay? You would have been dumped his ass. Okay. I love you. Thank you for being here. I love all of you. Thank you so much. Our platform is always your platform too. So, you know, whatever you need, you let me know. Thank you. uh, Make sure you text me about the next trip. I bet I'll see you on another (laughs) island without me. Ida, FYI, you are a, a scary Mary. So even when we take all the precautions, you don't want to move around, but you know, we'll work on it. Scary Mary. <laughs> I want one of those hoodies. All right, I got you. Yeah. I'm a, I'll have them send it to you. I'll get your info. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. right. Thank, you. Thank you for going out there. Be safe. So wait, Ida, you promised okay. me that, that little pimp was going to be on this. Where is he? Ah! <laughs> He didn't even know how to say his name right, yo. Wasn't that just, I mean, it's bad enough that you try to prop us up so you can get this vote, but to get his name wrong and then to act like he's world renowned, word, really? The world. Ben, I wanted you to address some of the, um, some of the, the, the talking points that people keep hitting us with. Not, and I'm not just talking about white people, I'm talking about our people. Um, 
Latinx people saying they try to turn this country into a socialist country. Um, Joe Biden and the crime bill, Kamala Harris and her and her history. Um, they're both white supremacist groups. What do we need them for? And I, I want you to address them. And I'm going to bring uh, Tony Baker on because Tony Baker is joining us from the vehicle, as he said. <laughs> uh, and we are going to continue to have this conversation. So go ahead, Ben. Thank you, Ada. And, and I, I, I mean, my heart just broke when Vanessa started talking about writing the love letter to her children when this man was elected. Because when you think about his history with the Central Park Five, when you think about his history saying he did not want black people to be able to live in his properties, it's, it goes to what Maya Angelou said when they show you all that, who they are the first time, believe them. And yeah, I believe people can evolve and people can grow, but what has he done to show us that he's growing into a leader who appreciates diversity and inclusion, not by his rhetoric, which is asinine, but by his actions. You, you look at his cabinet, you look at his Supreme Court, and I'm gonna get to Biden and Harris, but think about Ada, his Supreme Court nominee, all of them, but this last one in particular, who is 48 years old, who's probably gonna be on the court for 40 years, passing the supreme law to affect not only my children and Spence and Vanessa's children, your children, Ada, but all of the black and brown children. This lady, Amy Coney Barrett, who found that when a white man called a black man the N-word, that that was not indicative of that corporation uh, condoning racism, even though he was constructively terminated and the person who used the N-word was not terminated. If that's not saying that we condone it, I don't know what is, but she found a way to engage in the intellectual justification of discrimination and that's what she's going to be doing because that's what Donald Trump and people like him, they want to be able to justify systematic racism and say it doesn't exist. Um, and so I just had to put that in there. When you think about Joe Biden and that 94 crime bill, he has said it was a mistake. I know one of the things that uh, people often forget is it passed with 96 senators and about 300 House representatives. So it wasn't as if he was out there by himself saying, we got to try to address the crack epidemic. Were they wrong? Absolutely. They understand that. And I, I believe that in my heart, they understand how wrong they were. Because when we think about opioids in the white suburbs and how they are addressing that versus how they addressed the crack epidemic in the early 90s and mid 90s is night and day. As it relates to uh, Senator Kamala Harris, when she was an AG from California, she was on the inside trying to come up with some ways to move the ball forward. We call it politics, the art of compromise. And it's crazy to me how they say, oh, Donald Trump did criminal justice reform. He did the first step act. It affected about a thousand people. It didn't affect hardly none of the people who 
are, you know, the hundreds of thousands in federal and state prisons. But you would give him credit, but then you overlook the good things that Kamala did, and you only want to address the, the things that, oh, well, she didn't do this. Well, if you've ever been, the easiest thing to do is to be a critic, but try to get in and do the job and see how challenging it is. Like President Barack Obama, when he had the Republican Senate, and you're trying to pass legislation, and they won't pass anything, so you have to compromise. I just believe it's easy to be a critic. It's hard to say, well, let me work with you, Kamala. Let me work with you, Joe. And, and Ada, you can best believe I'm going to be calling people like you, Kamala and them, appoint me to these task force and things because you want people going to speak truth to power. And Kamala always says, well, I want to listen. I can't do this by myself. We all got to figure it out together. How many times have we ever heard Trump say, we got to figure out something together? Or does he say, I don't know what's best for you? Yeah. He never, he never, he never comes from a place of coming together. He never comes from a place of coming together. Because he's the best at everything. Yeah. Yeah. So Tony Baker has entered the building. Hi, Tony. Hey, what's up, everybody? How y'all doing? How you doing, Tony? Hey, I'm in the car. Tony is on. I know you in the car, but we talked about it earlier. Killer Mike did his whole interview from the car, but I wanted you to. Have, I wanted to have you on here because you've used your platform. Um, you've spoken out against Donald Trump, and people are always coming back to you, telling you to stick to comedy. Why is it? Is why is it has it become so important for you to use your platform to speak out against this stuff that's been happening? Because you know, um, people always lump celebrities and entertainers into a category, whether you be an athlete or whatever. Shut up and dribble. Stick to comedy. Shut up. You're an entertainer. Stay in your lane. But at the same time, we're American citizens and we vote. We have to vote. So therefore, if you pay taxes, if you vote, then you should never stick to anything. You should stick to being an American citizen and having a voice. So... You know, I'm big on that. And so I took the comedy off my name on Instagram because of that. I was like, you know what? I'm taking the comedy off and I'm just be Tony Baker now because, you know, I'm a human being first. You know, human being first, American citizen. Then comes the career. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, anybody trying to hear all that stick to whatever nonsense. I pay taxes. I vote. So I'm going to be talking. So one thing so that what? I wanted is we've been watching um, people talk about uh, the Republicans and the Democrats as if they are the Red Sox and the Yankees, right? They're, there's this, uh, they idolize their politicians, and it's like it's 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 very unhealthy because you can love a politician. You can support a politician, but they are they work for us. So we're supposed to be able to also hold them accountable um, because we employ them. And that has been I, I know social media is not a good gauge of what the what the actual country looks like, because people who are actually working and have things to do are not on social media all day long. But um, it certainly has become very toxic to see, you know, even when you see these Trump people at the polls intimidating people. 
it's very hard to take them seriously because they seem uneducated. They're very, just downright ignorant. I mean, they keep screaming out these talking points, the pedophilia and the crime bill and socialism. And it's just made me so concerned about the country because who are these people? Anybody can respond to that. I mean, I think that they are the, um, uh, you know, at this point, I'm going to I'm going to say they are the basket of deplorables that Hillary Clinton was berated for in 2016. And and while it seemed harsh then and it seemed very judgmental to say then, I think if these four years have proven anything, it's actually proven that they are the basket of deplorables. There is no person, whether they are educated or uneducated, that tells me that they're voting for them and I see them as a good, decent human being. Because if you are siding with this man, Stephen Miller, Jared Kushner, and everybody else involved in this administration, you are siding with people who are devoid of a moral compass and devoid of a sense of humanity and 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 any type or any type of leadership skill because if you're a leader you're leading for the collective we you're not leading for the id or your ego you're leading for the collective we and that's what this administration lacks there is no collective we because it is about he and he yields and wants to yield uh, this 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 power of of what benefits him he's the only president in U.S. history to to enrich himself the way that he has, and and his sole mission in getting into office was really to enrich himself. Because, like we learned today, Deutsche Bank is coming after him, whether he wins or he loses, for three hundred forty million dollars that he owes to them. Never mind what he owes China or what he may owe Putin or any of that. Exactly. I, I mean, he has done this about for himself. It has nothing to do with we as a nation. And I just wanted to say about what Vanessa was speaking to at the beginning. He plays on our fear. He plays on the least common denominator of people. He, he wants to look for things that divide us. And I, I saw a young person holding a sign while we were uh, marching for Breonna Taylor in Louisville. And it said that I'm not saying all Trump supporters are racist, but they've made a decision that racism isn't a deal breaker for them. And, you know, that's deplorable when you think about, we're going to let this guy talk about, tell the Cowboys, stand back and stand ready and not think that's a problem when you ask a United States president Will he denounce white nationalism? And he refused. But yet you got these brothers saying, well, I like his policies. You like him telling white nationalists that you're inferior, that uh, black and brown and every other type of people, it needs to be submissive to the white supremacist Aryan nation. I mean, it's just ludicrous when you think about it. It's, it's actually pretty stunning. It's disheartening. I, I, I actually, in one of my videos, I said something similar to the, the sign you said, and I said, um, I said, um, not all racist, not all white people voting for Trump are racist, but all the white racists are voting for Trump. Yep. So that should tell you something. So you know, um, 
I, uh, I, I've just, I've heard so many things. People have called me all kinds of things because I have spoken out politically. I am more on the progressive side of uh, being a Democrat. And um, I do believe in, in, in progressive policies. And I know that this is a step in the, in the direction of that as opposed to what we're dealing with. But I think a lot of people don't have the political information and they're being moved by videos on social media. They don't have the information, they know sound bites. I just want you, I want each of you to just, you have a, uh, we have a, uh, we're wrapping up, but we have an opportunity to speak to the last people who are out there who are contemplating if they should get up and go vote. They're being uh, motivated by fear not to go vote because People are boarding up stores and businesses. So please, uh, and I'll start with you, Tony, because um, I know that you are on the move. Tell the people um, who are out still not voting. Um, th there are 21 places where you can still go vote. Why you think they should go vote? You know, and I, and I know it's discouraging to to vote, especially if you don't believe in either candidate. I get that. It's discouraging. But um, we vote regardless because for, for me, personally, I think it's a slap in the face to the ancestors who have fought and died for our right to vote to not vote. Um, so that's me personally. That's, that's one reason. Another reason is, you know, a change isn't going to happen overnight or with one election. But if we can do it step by step, piece by piece, um, that always helps. And your vote does matter. Your vote does count. Uh, we get caught up in the rhetoric of, of the fear mongering and all these types of things and intimidation. Uh, you just got to break free from that and vote because it, it really counts. And, um, you know, it, it's something that shouldn't be taken lightly, even though I have my issues with, you know, Democrats, Republicans. I have issues with all of that. But I still voted. And I just think it's important for us to do so. And you can't complain if you're not active in the political landscape. It's easy to just be like, oh, I'm not voting. It doesn't matter. But then when you complain, you lose credibility because you 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 weren't active at all. So there's that, too. So get out there and vote. Get off the fence. Uh, Chris? A couple of things. One thing is, for those of you who think your vote don't doesn't count, they wouldn't be doing as much as they can for you not to be able to vote for it not to be important. Uh, and we're talking about all the suppression, the 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 lines, the the one box in a county of whatever was it, 1,700 square miles. Um, so your, your vote, your vote does matter. Um, to all to all of those people who are on the fence, I think it's it's worth it. Right. And, and not so much only this big ticket, but the other things that are going on in your community, your city, your county, you know, you're going to look up and like I've done before and said, oh, my God, I didn't know that whatever Uber drivers didn't have uh, insurance or whatever. And somebody's going to say, you know, we voted for that. Where were you? So it's, it's very important that you get out there and, and, and have your and, and have your vote be counted. Vanessa, um, I'm just gonna start. She's gonna sound way smarter than me, so stay tuned. Yeah, I, I, I'm just I'm gonna.
follow up on what Chris said by saying that it's not just voting every four years, right? Like there's another election in two years from now, and that election is going to be for the House and other local offices that are coming up. You know, it's not every four years there's an election and every political official that has ever been elected to office exited, you know, exits. Uh, things are done in cycles. So, so start to learn your local governmental election cycle so you're paying attention because your local government affects your daily life. Your local government is going to determine whether that parking ticket is $35 or $65. And that $30 could have been your lunch for the week, your cell phone bill, or your electric bill. So start paying attention to your elections because that's how things affect your life. Um, you know, and affect your life in some ways more than the guy every four years or woman that you're voting for. Secondly, your vote is really your voice. It's making your voice heard by electing people that truly understand what your community's needs are. Because every elected official has a constituency and every elected official, you have the responsibility and the right to hold them accountable. When Diane Feinstein did that shit at the end of the Judiciary Committee hearing for Amy Coney Barrett, and she lauded and practically French kissed Lindsey Graham, you know, for what a great job he did, and that it was the most, you know, civil uh, committee and hearing she'd ever been a part of. I couldn't, it took me three days to get through to Diane Feinstein's office. Why? Because people in her constituency were lit up. They were so pissed that she had behaved the way she behaved because there was nothing civil about what took place. Nothing civil about what took place. So your voice matters. They work for you. Never forget that. Just because you vote for them doesn't mean you can't hold them responsible once they're in office. That is your responsibility to hold them accountable for the things that they campaigned on, the things they said that the reasons why you sent them there. Know that, learn that, own that. That is why your vote is your power and your voice. Send the people to office that will be working for you, making sure that the things that are important to you get heard and are fought for. And that is why I believe so wholehearted, excuse me, so wholeheartedly that in spite of neither Joe or Kamala being perfect people, nobody is. They're not perfect candidates. There is not a perfect candidate. But they are two people that are walking into this job on day one, knowing what the job requires, knowing the law, knowing the Constitution, knowing the reasons why we as people, as a nation, if they become duly elected officials, vice president and president of this United States, they know why they were sent there. And they will be ready on day one to do the job and not just for the, to do the job for those that voted for them, but to do the job for this collective we of these United States of America and finally hold this nation accountable to live up to the ideals of what this nation was founded on and for us to be represented. And believe it or not, this will be the most progressive presidency. It will be the presidency in some ways that Barack Obama, we all wanted him to be, but couldn't because of that POS, um, Mitch McConnell, who uh, he, and uh, John Boehner and all of them who stood at the Capitol Grill on Inauguration Day in 2008, on January 20th, 2008, stood in the Capitol Grill and said, we will make sure he gets nothing done. And none of those pieces of shit showed up for this man's inauguration. And that's how we became a nation 
so divided. This didn't just start under Trump. This started when Barack threw his hat in in 08 and uh, in, um, in 07 and the Tea Party popped up. The Tea Party gave birth and rise to Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump cult of personality that existed on TV as this guy in The Apprentice and and who he already was in the streets of New York, already a shady suspect, right? Like everybody, he everybody in the Tea Party was like, "That's my dude." And when he announced, they were like, "I'm with him." Why? Because he kicked the door open for racism and all of the other shit that was just bubbling up under the surface. They were like, he's going to say it. So he's my guy. And that's how we ended up here. Um, But let me just say one last thing, and I will give uh, the Honorable Benjamin Crump the last word as he so deserves. By the way, uh, Benjamin, if you need another attorney at your uh, your firm, she's... I will go anywhere for you. Believe me when I tell you, I will go anywhere for you. But I just want to say this came up. There is nothing normal about stores needing to be boarded up on an election day. There is nothing normal about us needing to have to brace for who the winner is. This culture exists now because of the man in the Oval Office. And everything is on the ballot. The planet, women's health, women's rights. You name it, everything is on the ballot. So if you're a one-issue voter, there are about 32 things to pick from. Find one and take yourself to the poll and vote. Um, I wanted to, uh, so uh, Ben, there was a young man who had all these things about, uh, it's it's so abundant. Prince Mallory saying um, Black Panther Party 2022, that, Biden being in office, none of the candidates spoke specifically to some issues. It sounds like he has his own platform that he should be running on. But um, I wanted you to address um, this this thing. I, I don't think people realize that racism and systemic oppression was here before the Democrats and Republicans were. And so when we talk about this, we talk about it from the perspective of um why they acting like that? Why did Kamala do this? Why all this is white supremacy was here before all of that. So we when we dismantle it and we talk about the political parties, we have to be informed about that because it just seems crazy when people say to me, "Well, why aren't they do there there's only so much that one president can do in 4 years." And and Vanessa just spoke to what Barack Obama was not able to do. I'll, I'll give you the floor. Certainly, thank you, Ada. And and it was such a delight to be with Spencer and Vanessa and Angie Yee and uh, Mr. Baker. I, you know, I'm not a comedian, Spencer and Ada, but I, I will start off saying something I thought was very funny that uh, George Floyd's family said when they talked about voting. They said, if you show up at the family reunion and you see the shirts that the people had picked out. And you say, man, these are some ugly shirts. Who picked these shirts out? And they say, oh, we voted on them and you weren't there. So you ain't got nothing to say. And he said, uh, who picked this hotel out? This old raggedy cheap hotel. And they say, well, we voted on it and you weren't there. So you can't say nothing. And he talked about, they said, uh, who picked this restaurant to have the family reunion banquet? And this sorry. And he said, well, you voted on, I mean, we voted on it and you didn't vote, so you don't have anything to say. 
So for all those brothers and sisters who set out in 2016 and now they're unhappy about the direction of the country, you didn't vote. So why are you even speaking now? Because as Vanessa said, your voice is your vote. And, I, you know, Ada, I think when we talk about Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, I agree with Spencer and Vanessa. No, no, nobody is perfect. Um, it, you know, none of us are perfect. And I do believe Joe Biden has character and he has values. And I believe that he believes it when, you know, the Declaration of Independence about we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equally, that they're endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that amongst them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I think he believes that. And is he going to fall short on some things uh, on his mark to try to be perfect or help form a more perfect union? Absolutely. But he's going to be far better than what we have now. And for Kamala Harris to have the opportunity to be the first woman of color, the first black woman to be vice president of the United States of America within a heartbeat away from being the leader of the free world. I mean, you know, regardless of whatever mistakes she made in the past, she has far more life experiences with most of us than Donald Trump will ever have. She has much more background with us than Donald Trump and Mike Pence will ever have. She has, I mean, her mother had her there in Oakland, California, out there with the Black Panthers where her and her sister Maya was little children. And so, you know, she has common ground with many of us. And what we want to do is be able to say to her, Kamala, we know you're not perfect. We know you don't have all the answers, but promise us you will always listen to us and try to make it better for all of us. And that's all we can ask for any politician to try to do their best to include all of us at the table. And that's what it's about. And the last thing I will say is this. I know it's about 3.20 out in California. I'm on the East Coast. And so a lot of people still have time to go vote who are in the Western part of the nation. And I don't have to tell you that this isn't just about our ancestors and what they sacrificed for us to have this right to vote. This is about the fact that George Floyd's blood is on the ballot. Breonna Taylor's blood is on the ballot. Uh, Armand Aubrey, who was lynched in Brunswick, Georgia, for jogging while black blood is on the ballot. Jacob Blake, who was shot seven times in Kenosha, Wisconsin, while he was trying to get away from the police, not posing a threat or violence to them. And they shot him seven times in front of his three young sons, ages eight years old, five years old, and three years old. Who knows what psychological problems 
those babies are going to have after watching the police shoot and paralyze their father when a young white man who 48 hours later came in Kenosha Wisconsin, shot three people, killing two of them, and literally with the assault weapon around his neck, walked down the street past several policemen, several National Guards. Nobody uh, shot him in the back seven times. Nobody killed him. Ada, he got to his home in another state uninjured. And when you think about the two justice systems that exist in America, one for black America and one for white America, never has that been more profound than those 48 hours in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where you have a black man getting away from the police and no weapon, they shoot him in the back, a white man walking at them with an assault weapon and they don't see him as a threat. Jacob Blake's blood is on this ballot. Trayvon Martin killed in Sanford, Florida with a bag of skittles and iced tea is on the ballot. Michael Brown, who all the witnesses in Ferguson, Missouri said he had his hands up and we all yell, hands up, don't shoot. His blood is on the ballot. I mean, 12-year-old Tamir Rice in Cleveland, Ohio, playing on the playground with a toy gun in less than 1.7 seconds. The police drive up on him and shoot and kill him. That baby's blood is on the ballot. Joel Oscobedo in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, who the police choked just like they choked George Floyd. His blood is on the ballot. Antonio Montez, who was killed in Pasco, Washington, shot seven times as he ran away. And they ate a, even said, we don't know if we can let him bring a lawsuit because he is not a citizen. He's a Mexican native. And I mean, to even bring that up as if he's not a human being. Antonio Montez's blood is on the ballot. Pamela Turner, shot outside of Houston, Texas. Her blood is on the ballot. Sandra Bland, blood is on the ballot. Uh, Botham Jones, shot in his own apartment while eating ice cream with a white policewoman allegedly came in the wrong apartment, shot and killed him. His blood is on the ballot. Terrence Crutcher, killed in Tulsa, Oklahoma. With his hands up, don't shoot on video. His blood is on the ballot. Stephon Clark, shot in Sacramento, California, in his grandmother's backyard. He had a cell phone. His blood is on the ballot. Joseph Richardson, shot in a hotel room, but naked, and they said he had a weapon. His blood is on the ballot. Eric Gardner, the first I Can't Breathe case, Staten Island, New York, his family never got their day in court. His blood is on the ballot. And Ada, literally, the list can go on and on and on back to Emmett Till from Money, Mississippi, who was lynched for looking at a white woman. His blood is on the ballot. So brothers and sisters, if you want a reason to vote, we're not talking about for your ancestors, we're talking about for your children, for their future. I mean, their very life may be at stake when you see the count of people in the Department of Justice. Blood is on the ballot. We can never ever let them say that what they're doing to our young people in the courtrooms in America, giving them these trumped up felony convictions, 
every day of the week and twice on Friday, killing us softly, that we condone that. And when we don't vote, that's what you're doing. And it's necessary. It's not just for the president, but it's down ballot because that prosecutor is going to decide in your community who goes to jail and who does not go to jail. So when they keep sending every little black and brown person to prison, locking them up and throwing away the key, even though they have no evidence at all, and you can have a video with the police shooting little black boys in the back earthquake, but yet they come up with these technical reasons and say where it was legal, we all have to remember what Martin Luther King said in the letter from the Birmingham jail. Just because they tell us it's legal, that doesn't make it right. Everything that Hitler did to the Jews in Germany was legal. That didn't make it right. Slavery was legal. That didn't make it right. Segregation was legal. That didn't make it right. What they did to Breonna Taylor in Louisville, Kentucky, executing a no-not warrant at one in the morning based on lies, they said that was legal, but that doesn't make it right. So we have to vote because people like Trump and his lawyer, I don't call him the attorney general, William Barr, they will say everything in destroying our community is legal, but that won't make it right. So we got to go vote to make it right. So, wow. Um, Earthquake has entered the building. He had his own show from one to three, but he wanted to stop by and uh, speak to his his family, his friends. And he's been very vocal about voting. So I wanted to make sure that um, Earthquake because Earthquake and I, we stay in that place where we stay on your head. <laughs> Good to see you there, Pastor Benjamin Crump. I said I just caught a positive your sermons right there, <laughs> Pastor Plate, because you are the man right there. I'm sitting down here. I can't just put me a part of your congregation there, brother, because I swear that was moving there. If we could get some of our spiritual leaders who's been taking all this money from our from our community to stand out right now and also to you know get some of these people to down here to vote. We'll be just as good if we could get some of those servants coming from, you know, some of the people that we've been giving our money to. But I keep that between me and the Lord. Um, <laughs> I ain't going to put no names. I was good to see the Spencers in there. I love y'all. You know, me and Chris got over 25 years and close my sister here. Um, voting is very important to me. Matter of fact, I think everybody must do their part. Um, like for the instrument, my son, you know. Um, uh, being a young 18-year-old, um, this is his first time, and procrastinating, supposedly did absentee ballot, um, going to the University of Arizona. I asked him, did he vote? He said, I'm going to drop it in the mail today. And I said, no, you're not. So I had to buy him a plane ticket, fly him all the way back here and put him in a line. I found the longest line it is. So, because I want him to be get some part of the struggle. We live in Calabasas. He's living in his own apartment in college. And, and I said, I got to give you some of the struggle. So I found the longest line I could here for him to stand in there for him to vote. Um, I think, you know, I've always been political. I am from Washington, D.C. because I, I love power. I remember um, that I knew I had to do something different when um they took us on a field trip 
the audacity to take us to the United States treasuries and show us all this money getting made. <laughs> but yet, I'm broke as a joke. And they throwing away dollars because they got the wrong numbers on it. I'm like, hey, man, you can get it to me and my mama. We'll we send them. So, so one thing I learned right then and there, man, this is not equal. This is not right. <laughs> they getting rolls and sheets and sheets and sheets of dollars. And I'm broke right here, hungry. And I ain't even got a free lunch. Something is not right here. So, um, you know, I talked to my people. Um, voting is not. The total um, puzzle of it is a piece of the puzzle, and you got to do down balance. I flew all the way to Houston because I live in Houston. I think Texas today. I'm praying that Texas finally turned red. If, if Texas turned blue. red, I can blue. go to sleep blue. early. Blue, 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 blue. Huh? You mean you want Texas to turn blue? Oh, blue. That's what I mean. Blue. I mean, I'm sorry, blue. If Georgia turned blue, I can go ahead and go to sleep, um, you know, early tonight. That's what I'm looking for. Um, Florida, you know, I don't understand that. You know, the Scarface, the Colombians still talking about socialism. I don't understand how a white man can tell you how you can ever believe that anybody in this country will put you on a dictatorship. But, you know, education is where it is. But I, I want everybody to understand it's still not too late for you, if you can hear my voice now, for you to vote. And you also must take on the personal responsibility to educate your children, to know them, to let them know the importance of it. Because I told my kids, man, they can't come home unless they come home with a I vote sticker. So they weren't allowed to come home unless they had a sticker. I love that. That that was my so I needed her. Um, I I was waiting on earthquake because he was doing his show, but I was like, uh, what a way to uh, end this uh, this two right. we, two and a half hours, um, because I just think that it is important for people to see that we are a spectrum, and it takes all of us to make it happen. And whether we are a stand up comedian, a civil rights attorney, you know, we're an actor, a painter, a janitor. We have to, as Vanessa said, and as they say in Israel, invest and believe in our we. And we need to think of as a collective. Um, I want to thank each of you for being here and blessing with me because I know you're all busy and you have um, important things to do. But I think that in my mission to continue to fight for black and brown solidarity, um, I know that the fight is big and we have a lot of issues within our communities, singularly and collectively. But I just think it's more important for us to think of ourselves as a unit. And until we have, um, we, we, we acquire the power that we need, we need to keep fighting. And then we can start dealing with the, the issues within our own community. Um, I think it's important, Vanessa and I are both the mother of Black sons and daughters. So when you say Breonna Taylor's name, you say George Floyd's name, we can feel that because George Floyd called for his mother and we are mothers. So um, I just wanna say thank you to you for being here. And, and listen, there are 21 states where you can still go and vote. Um, if you are in line, you can be, uh, You can, they have to take your vote. If you see any form of intimidation or them repress, uh, I wanna show the graphic one more time, please call 1-866-R-VOTE. Mm -hmm. um, if you are experiencing it or witnessing it, it takes a village. And um, 
as my, my brother Earthquake said, Chris and my sister Vanessa and Benjamin L. Crump, as they call him, Rump Dog at <laughs> <Florida> State <laughs> University. <laughs> I, used to, I used to walk around stepping and they, he was like, you can't do that. I used to walk around, who's the that? I didn't know. You're not a cute dog. You can't. I was honorary. <laughs> I was like, that looks fun. Um, anyway. They, but I learned uh, about unity and solidarity, and that was what I learned by watching the the black letter, black Greek letter organizations when I was at Florida State. I just want to say thank you all for being here. Thank you, with Ashley Marie Preston, Chloe Hilliard, Eric Rivera, Tony Baker, Yamanika Sanders, Dulisa Atherea, um, Angela Yee, Vanessa, and Chris Spencer, Earthquake, and Benjamin Crump. Hey. We are uh, the we are the hope and the dream of the slaves that came before us. We are all descendants of slaves. Every single one of us that you see us here, whether we came from Puerto Rico, Cuba, Harlem, North Carolina, D.C., we are all descendants of slaves, and we will continue to do the work so that when children speak of us, their ancestors, they know that we fought for them. So I want to say thank you to all of you. I love you. We love you back. Go. Yes. And if anybody needs a cheat sheet, go to my page. I'm happy to send anybody a cheat sheet. And if you're in Los Angeles, please make sure you vote Jackie Lacey out. George Gascon is is the guy. I don't Earthquake, love you, brother. <laughs> you know I love you, Benjamin. You know you my dog. You know you my dog. See you later, man. See you, Miss Spencer. You know I love you, sister. We waited for you. That's how much you mean to us. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I finished mine. I love y'all, man. Let's do it. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, hey, Quake, are you doing that treasure? Oh, sorry. He can hear huh? you. Oh, he does. Oh, are you doing that treasury joke? Because I got a spot tonight. <laughs> 